Welcome to 12 Questions. Hello, this is Anna Valenzuela, and I'm joined here today by my beautiful guest. How would you like to identify yourself? Which in 2019 has a sexual connotation, but when I first started this podcast, it's really your anonymity. Like, how would you like to present yourself on this podcast? Um, just uh, Jolene Lanzer, yes! comedian. <laughs> well, sometimes so. I interview people that are not like comedians, oh, and okay. they're like, they're they're sort of like uh, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> it's very funny. They're like, I'm. You know me. I'm Bob. <laughs> I'm I'm Dave. Uh, just just Dave. Uh, very confused right now. Uh, trying not to violate any traditions. Well, good for you. Like that's fun. Um, but uh, yeah, so welcome to the podcast. Yay. Thank you. I'm so excited that you're ha- you have me on. Thank you so much. I'm very excited that you're here. I've wanted to interview you for like a year. And uh, part of the 2019 push is just being fucking organized about oh, my podcast. So the hardest thing. Yo, mm-hmm. I've become a calendar person. <gasps> if you told me at 20 years old when I was first getting clean that I would become a calendar person. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. No, I used to buy planners, take out the planning part and just use it as a wallet because I thought they were cute. <laughs> you know, the ones that zip and stuff and just store stuff in it like cigarettes oh and my things. God. That's adorable. Yeah. Oh. I was like, I'm not writing anything down. That's no. so funny. I didn't even have the foresight to do that. I would just leave the, I would leave the planning element inside the planner and then I would like open it up every day like it was a point of shame. Like I would just see like the blank January just like, <laughs> like flipping me off every time like yeah. you can't get it together so but yeah i've become a real hardcore electronic calendar you did person. send me like a calendar invite uh-huh. for my phone which i was able to save with the address time it was very organized this is a professional operation wow. here until i can afford mm-hmm. an assistant and a manager baby's running the whole show there is a spread there is brie i want you guys to there know is- and apples and nuts it- i have a latte i'm never leaving exactly <laughs> i make people feel very comfortable that is the point i mm-hmm. i learned it i learned it from my people the 12-step community yes. attraction rather than promotion <laughs> oh my gosh i'm so happy to have you here we were just chatting about you have uh alcoholic like uh, do. neighbor drums yes i do and it's been this way for five years since i moved <laughs> yeah and i've been sober over six to... years yep and it's rent controlled so i can't leave no. <laughs> but i here's what i've talked to a lot of therapists about i've talked to a lot of my friends about wow. who are in 12-step and i basically it's almost sometimes i like to think of it as a gift and the way i look yes. at it is like that she's a year older than me. That could have been me. So I'm literally, I work from home during the day for my day job. I have my desk. It looks out into the courtyard where she drinks and chain smokes and is racist and hates old people. And I... (laughs) I'm just, just <laughs> shouting racism and ageism yes. into the just into the ether of yes. the beautiful sunshine of Los Angeles. And saying, like, oh, <laughs> and saying people on SNL aren't funny. You know, that's literally what her conversations <laughs> consist of. And sometimes I think she's just talking into her phone to nobody. Um, Do you ever just like open the window and be like, Melissa Villa Senor, <laughs> the most talented yes. impressionist in the history of impressionists. Shut up. <laughs> it's not her fault. She's being underutilized on that show. Right. For her impressionistic skills. And <laughs> use Melissa more. I was just watching SNL clips on YouTube, not to get off ta- uh, tangent too much, um, before I came here when I was getting ready and I put the flat iron on my bare leg. Uh, and they did underutilize her. They used her for yeah. like two seconds. And I was mad about that. Having been a manager in the corporate world, there's a part of me that when I would like watch a show like SNL or like, and, and like, trust me, if, if SNL were to be like call and be like, hey, I'd be like, sure, okay, mm-hmm. all of my gripes are gone. Like, <laughs> but I would say that like, 
uh, a lot of shows sometimes when I'll see like the way that they utilize talent, I'm like, wow, nobody's taken a mid-level marketing or like a mid-level um, like management course where you yeah. have to like, Oh, what are your strengths? What is your team strengths? How do you utilize your talent? How do you motivate people? It's mm-hmm. like so easy. you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just use that SNL. <laughs> exactly. Be like, what are you good at? Do the thing you're good at. Not the thing I want you to be good at. Exactly. You know? so. so yeah. So I look out and I see this person and I think, okay, Jolene, it almost is like a reminder of like why I wanted to be sober in the first place, why I want to stay sober and why I like where my life is at now. But at times I struggle because, you know, with watching, I'm just like, oh my gosh, can this person just, I mean, she's so in with rent control. It's 15 plus years and she's not going anywhere. And you can't really do anything. I mean, there's been times where she's been so intoxicated where I thought she was going to fall through my window. And then I'm thinking, well, what do I do then? You call the police. Yeah. I mean, that's when somebody, when somebody's intoxication like causes theft or damage or, you know, that you just, you know, you call the police because oh that's what they're there for. It's, uh, it's and it feels like drama, <laughs> it but does. it's actually like if someone falls through your window, it's for her safety <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah, but you could bleed out. I mean, let's yes. be real. But I mean, there's, there's been a lot of interesting situations where, I mean, she's accused people of stealing from her, yet I'm there all day and she invited some lady over she saw down at the drug or the, um, the liquor store down the street and the lady said i'm gonna redecorate your apartment i got a wayfair account she agreed to all this gave her a credit card but she was so drunk the next day she filed a police report that this woman stole from her so it is literally like watching i don't know some really bad reality tv show which i love reality tv or it's it's insane it's literally insane. It would be good to like, I would just like write it all down because this sounds mm-hmm. like a character in a show. Uh, I know. You know what I mean? And then like, part of me is like, I don't want to give her a show. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That angry part of me comes out. And you're and, just like, mm, I don't want to spend my creative energy on yes, you, nightmare. It is a nightmare. <laughs> but then sometimes there's weird compliments that come from her when she's, you know, passed out, uh, kind of in and out of pass out uh, in front of my door and I come in and she goes there's Jolene always looking nice and doing stuff and I was like is that an insult? <laughs> that was actually kind of nice. Thank That's you. Literally the funniest <laughs> thing. Always looking nice and, and doing, doing stuff. stuff. Yeah. What the fuck is your problem? <laughs> doing your life. But I remember being I mean there I can have empathy because I remember being angry I always got angry when I was drunk I wasn't angry drunk I was violent Mm -hmm. like I said rude things I outed people's eating disorders I was not fun (laughs) to be around (laughs) your stories on stage are like fascinating and your story with like integrating into the program has been fascinating Mm -hmm. as well so I'm really excited to get into it um so like what was your experience of like surrender and feel free to like throw all those like I love that you outed eating disorders that is <laughs> I know, it's in horrible. college that is more than fighting words mm. it was and it was in Jamaica and it was during someone's wedding I always <laughs> I always ruined weddings and I feel how many reddit weddings have you ruined oh my god I don't know if I could remember if I didn't black out uh, I could remember but I mean people say I didn't ruin it but I feel like I brought a real negative energy. I mean, that's a bad yeah. thing. But the last time I drank was at one of my best friend's weddings. And by this time, I had been doing comedy. Um, I decided I made... It was weird. Like, I had known probably since I started drinking the first time I really got drunk that eventually this was going to be a problem um, because of how much I could drink and how I acted and then also seeing alcoholism in my family Mm. and my mom got sober when I was 19 so even as a teenager I was like okay 
everyone around me can't do this. So I'm not going to be good at doing this either. Yeah. You know? Um, So I, okay, so I was at my friend's uh, wedding. And at this time, I made a pact with myself when I started comedy that I would not drink before I went on stage because I didn't want it to be a crutch. I was afraid that it was something I would need. And I started comedy at 29. So I'd watched enough documentaries to know that, yeah, I could fall down that path very easily. So I started going, you know, I was sober on stage. And that natural high, you know, you get from the laughs was like, oh, this is so good. This is what it should feel like when you're drinking, you know, but it doesn't. Um, And then I really, I was doing so many shows. I mean, when I started, I started in Arizona and I was very lucky to get a lot of stage time because there weren't a lot of women comics. So I was just filling spots and I was working clean at the time. So I was able to do like church shows and stuff. So I would, I just like, you know, anything like an addict does, like I just went in full time into it. I chain smoked and I did comedy. (laughs) This is my story. I had, I had quit smoking years before I started doing comedy and started vaping. Oh my gosh. Because I was like, ooh, it tastes like a cupcake and it's nicotine and my addiction's going crazy right now. I need it. Oh, that sounds delicious, but... Ugh. It's not good. Don't. No, I'm never going to. Popcorn lungs, a real bummer. Oh, I know. Ooh, yeah. yeah, I saw that on. I saw that on the internet. Um, so uh, my, I had friends outside of comedy that I made before, yeah. and I really wasn't. So my friend whose wedding it was, I really wouldn't get drunk around them because I'd meet up with them after a show and maybe have a drink here or there. But then I'd go home and finish a bottle of wine and play Dr. Mario and chain smoke on my patio. Hilarious. But I didn't do it necessarily in front of them. So I remember my friend Nicole saying, Jolene, um, will you get drunk at my wedding? We have fun. And I'm like, all right. And oh yeah, I had fun. Not only did I... I, I remember waking up with anxiety. So I was a bridesmaid in the wedding and I was supposed to meet all the girls. There's nothing. I've never been a bridesmaid, but I've been the girl that somebody calls because all the bridesmaids are fighting. Oh my god. To gosh, like help yeah. de-escalate the situation. Mm-hmm. That has happened three times. I never been a bridesmaid, been a bridesmaid fixer. I didn't have a wedding. Um, but if I ever do, if Chell and I decide and I have bridesmaids, I, you'd be the person I'd call if there was a problem. I feel like you'd be really good at that. <laughs> I'm like the I'm like the Ray Donovan of like yes. bridesmaid drama. Yes. I feel like you would be <laughs> awesome at that that's like your calling i have no idea and it's so funny i've never ever been a bridesmaid so it's like i don't know what this experience is but i do know that you guys need to stop fighting over the updos right now because there are some really weird things that people will will fight about her wedding was really chill and i didn't have to do uh too much and she's just like a wonderful person but it just felt like pressure i don't know i think it was I just have always had anxiety and depression. Okay. And I didn't realize the extent of my anxiety because I would like have panic attacks before going to parties or going out with people. Yeah. Um, so I would drink before. So you'd pregame. Yeah. You know, so by the time I'm there, it's like, Jolene's so fun. And then all of a sudden, Joel, why does Jolene want to fight that person? <laughs> <You know? laughs> it would just escalate really quickly. So I remember I, I took uh, an anxiety medication. I took like a Klonopin. And then I started drinking. Um, yeah, I was like ready to go out the Marilyn Monroe way or something. I don't know. It was, I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't like a pill alcohol mixer. Uh, but you that, didn't know what you were getting into. Well, I mean, I'm, I was old enough. I was 32. I mean, it's like, yeah, I knew. Okay. But I don't think I knew I was going to drink as much. You know, you tell yourself, well, I'm just, I'm not going to drink that much, but no, I drank everything because right. it was this beautiful wedding and it was like open bar and I got there and everyone's drinking mimosas because I had so much anxiety. I went and got my hair and makeup done by myself at this like Kohler beauty school academy. I don't know. It's, it's that's just 
how I was. That's how I felt. And so once I got there, everyone's like, where were you, Julian? I'm like, oh, I was just running some errands, you know. And I had already taken the Klonopin, and I just started drinking. And I was drinking champagne, and I drank tequila, and I drank vodka, and I drank wine. And Chell was there with me. And, you know, Chell saw me drunk quite and a Chell bit is early. Your also very lovely and talented yeah, husband. Sorry, Comedy power couple. <laughs> Hello. And he's great because he's not a drinker. Yeah, I've never seen him he have ordered, a drink of anything. He ordered a beer last night. And there, it was an hour. We were talking to you, and after you left the show last night, I looked at my girl. You can drink your beer. He goes, "I just wanted to support the show. I don't really like it." <laughs> <laughs> that's how you can tell. That's how you can tell the difference between an alcoholic and mm-hmm. a normie is like you were watching that. Yeah, beer. you oh. were like, "Why are you not?" It makes no sense to me. Why would you leave money on the table? Mm-hmm. Why would you leave a time on the table? You could be drunk. Yeah. What are you doing? I right did now? actually say, "I go. That's a Stella. Like that's not a cheap beer." <laughs> Like, it's a Bud Light, bro. Drink it up. <laughs> so, yeah. So, I, I proceeded to get super drunk. Um, I blacked. I don't remember a ton. I do remember requesting Destiny's Child from the <laughs> DJ. I definitely was dating Chell. I definitely might have grinded on the DJ. Um, definitely grinded in front of her Wisconsin grandparents. <laughs> um, disappeared in the bathroom for a while. Chell got me out of the wedding. I think I was trying to make other people kiss each other. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't get violent, so that was good. Yes. <laughs> but my friend Nicole did say when they got their wedding tape back, they could. I was so. Uh, by the time they were doing their vows, like, I don't remember. So I'm standing up there for my best friend, who I love so much and deserves a wonderful day. And they could hear me talking. And then I got the mic at one point during the reception, and they had to take it away from me. Because maybe I just didn't think the DJ was doing a good job. And I had been doing stand-up, you know, by then almost three years. So clearly I was a oh, pro. Clearly, yeah. And I was going to, she said I started doing material. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was actually one of my better uh, drunken situations. But I remember waking up the next morning and I woke up in bed and I had no clothes on. And I thought, well, that's weird. What, what happened? You know? Yeah. Uh, and Chell was out in the living room of our Scottsdale, Arizona apartment. And, uh, you know, it's that feeling of, oh, shit. And, oh, that's the one thing. If ever I thought about drinking again, I'm like, you do not want that anxious, panic feeling of waking up from a blackout drunk experience wondering, what did I do? What did I say? What relationship did I ruin? Do I have stitches? You know, I don't want any. <laughs> we'll get to that. Those experiences. That's a real possibility for you. <laughs> so he was just like, hey, uh, you might want to take a shower. And I'm like, take a shower? Like, what? What do I have to take it? Like, why am I naked? You know, like, what's happening? And he was like, you had an accident. Apparently, he found me next to the cat's litter box uh, in my bridesmaid dress, just peed all over and I have a lot of friends back home who when I tell this story to they're like I pee all the time when I'm drunk I pee I don't nor do I want to and the scary part about it the more were you trying to pee in the litter box you know it was a covered litter box (laughs) (laughs) you just see the litter box and you were like okay well we had one of those bathrooms where you have like a vanity area first and then you go into a separate so I almost made it and then I just fell down and he found me there on the floor and I've had a, I've had way shittier situations than yeah. this being drunk. But for some reason, that resonated with me. That okay, I blacked out at my friend's wedding. My boyfriend at the time had to clean up my bridesmaid dress pee pants, um, and I remember thinking like, ta- talking to myself, panicking the whole day because that's what I did every time that yeah. I would get drunk and black out. The next day, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I would literally yeah. turn my phone off, uh, and thinking, is this the way? 
you want to live your life? Is this the way you want to go out? Like, do you want child to have to find you that I could have hit my head? So many things could have happened. Like, do I want my parents to be like, yeah, we put all this money into this chick only so she could hit her head on a sink and die next to a litter box. You know, like I really was having these conversations with myself. Mm -hmm. And that day I just, for some reason, that was the thing that Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. And it was April 1st, 2012, so April Fool's Day. Get a girl. <laughs> and yeah, and that was the beginning of this journey. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. But some people you tell that to and they're like, oh, well, that's not that bad, you know. But it it was but, coming for years. Yeah, I think a lot of times, I don't know, I think the battle cry of an alcoholic that wants to like recruit is... Mm-hmm. Well, you weren't arrested. Yeah. You were, you know, I was telling you before I got here, my mom did a year in jail or probably was 10 prison for driving her car into, into buildings. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's pretty bad, but I wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And it still doesn't change the fact that my relationship to substance abuse is fucked Mm -hmm. and my disease is real. My first thought this morning, I kid you not, my first thought this morning, I went to the gym with like my road dog buddy, Jared, who's been on this podcast and we're like, I'm on the terminal. I said, I just need to tell you like my first thought because I'm a little hungry and greenlandly tired and I know it's an insane thought. And he goes, okay. And I said, that I'm not actually funny, that people are just polite, and that I've just been wandering around just like sucking at comedy. No (laughs) one has the heart to tell me, and I don't have the self-awareness to figure it out. And he was just like, and I said, I know that's an insane thought. He was like, yeah, it is. And then we're just jogging. And then he looks at me and and I just go, wait, but I need you to say that it's, I need you to tell me that it's wrong. And that right there, that little like self-centered fear Mm -hmm. that for me is the, that's the core of why I would drink and use. It's like I, every day my brain tells me this wedding's going to suck. Yep. You better, you better pregame. Don't get Mm -hmm. your makeup done with other people. Like Mm -hmm. you have to, you don't fit in. It was always, you don't fit in with those kind of girls or they're better than you Mm -hmm. or yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's that insecurity. Mm-hmm. I think that's just a really good example. It's just that was the right that was the right amount of like information. Your brain was like, oh, okay, yeah. like that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. What would you say? Because girl, you've got some good stories. I know too many. <laughs> what is your most like insane moment in or out of recovery? It could be insane good, insane bad, like. Um, insane in or out? Well, out definitely was, uh, kicking a window, having to go to the ER, getting a 14,000 medical bill because I didn't have insurance because I was starting a new job in two days. It's a great bit, by the way. It's very funny. Thank you. Uh, basically I just moved to Arizona and I moved there with the wrong guy and we partied so hard all the time. And Scottsdale, we lived in old town and that was like party central. They had clubs and everything. Yeah. And we went out with uh, one of our neighbors. There isn't a lot to do in Arizona. That's no. why a lot of people really drink out there because mm-hmm. there is just not. I mean, in Tucson, you can hike during the day. Yeah, and like, and I was used to that coming from Minnesota. I yeah. mean, a lot of people drink there because it's cold. You're inside, and you can't uh, share your real feelings ever because <laughs> it's just like you have to be passive aggressive and drink it down. So that's what you do. <laughs> So I was used to that. You feed up your feelings, you drink your feelings. You don't say them. That would be crazy. I work, my day job right now, I work with a bunch of like um, really passive aggressive improvers from the Midwest. Oh, yeah. Oh, at God. a customer service situation. Ooh. And I can't tell if it's the improv or the Midwest. It's both. <laughs> 
just like, because <laughs> I'm a Californian who's only done stand-up. So yes. I'm just like, hey, why are you being a jerk? Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. I was voted most blunt in high school in yeah. Minnesota, but I wasn't even that fucking blunt. That's a thing you can be That's voted in Minnesota. That's a thing. That's a thing. They were like, oh, Jolene, she tells you how she feels. I'm like, yes. Most blunt. Yes hilarious mm-hmm. well you know it happens when you start therapy at 17 i was like i'm gonna just tell people how i feel and they were like oh no we don't do that no please stop and uh yeah <laughs> please stop doing that so i guess it makes sense why your i'm doing poor, comedy your poor therapist <laughs> is just pulling her hair yeah. out she's like all oh, my clients i get them to learn how to express themselves yeah. and then they go home <laughs> <laughs> well it, it is it's so true it's because people don't really talk about i mean i think it's starting to change but in the midwest we're kind of conditioned just be like it's okay don't talk about the family keep things it's almost it sounds a little soprano so like, don't talk about the family but you know keep it together look like everything's okay and that's also true for alcoholic families is like protect the alcoholic protect the alcoholism and so I guess I was used to that and I remember my first time going to my therapy appointment uh, my mom was like you know you need to go to therapy I was freaking out and drinking a lot of Zima and cheating on boyfriends but high five Zima (laughs) right and with the Jolly Rancher did you ever do that of course I got in trouble with my dad because he was sober for like 21 years before he passed and we were sitting in the living room and he goes I'll never know what a Zima tastes like. Because the Zima commercial came on. Yeah. And I was like, it tastes like 7-Up, Dad. <laughs> and he goes, you can go ground yourself. And I just like went to my room. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he was right to say that. Uh, yeah, he was in the right. And also, it does taste like 7-Up. And it gives you a headache. You could drink 17 yes. Zimas. And you'll get a headache before you ever get drunk. But it's like that 90s teen. We thought it was the greatest oh. thing. We're like, oh, it's made for the ladies. Lady alcoholism. Uh, <laughs> so I remember going. And I was nervous. And I show up. And there's my dad there. And I'm like, that's so sweet. Like my dad, my Midwestern dad, who's like a truck driver. He's like a tough guy. Taught me how to fight when I was young. But definitely was like, okay, someone teased you. Okay, I'm going to teach you how to box in the basement. We're not going to process these feelings. Instead, we're going to teach you how to punch somebody. And you have to do push-ups for allowance. That was my dad. He was very protective, lovely. I love him so much. So I'm like, oh my God, my dad came to the therapy. And then all of a sudden I was walking over and they opened up the door and they called his name. He had a therapy appointment, but we didn't talk about these you things. You didn't know? No. <gasps> I didn't know. That's how I found out. I was like, oh, you're crazy too? Like, I was just like, oh. And everyone knew I was going to go. I guess maybe my parents didn't talk. I mean, they were both working and stuff. But yeah, that's how I found out. And what a valuable gift it would have been if he sat you down and was like, it's not weird yeah. to go to therapy. I've been going to therapy for yeah. however long. But unfortunately for him, he couldn't process those feelings himself because you know there's that whole stigma especially at that time 1997 with men and being a tough guy in Mm -hmm. the area he grew up in and he was like no I fight my feelings down or I push things down yeah and he felt like he would if we knew that we would think he was weak you know it's hilarious you know what my dad did he took me to one therapy appointment at Kaiser Permanente Hospital of course (laughs) so we go to like this therapy appointment this is right before I started drinking and um he we go to the therapy appointment and he sits down he in the waiting room and just told the therapist when they called me in oh i i just want to i just want to come in with her and make sure she's going to be okay which is not my dad my dad's just like you'll figure it out yeah and then we go in there and then he just cried (gasps) for an hour in your therapist's office in my appointment (laughs) he took your hour (laughs) he took my hour he wept for an hour 
And then maybe it was because I was underage. They just want to like get the family situation yeah. and like figure it out. My dad just wept for an hour. And that was the last time I went. <laughs> I was just like, is this therapy? <laughs> oh, that my is- dad crying is that is to be a book like my dad in therapy like you know dad's in therapy dad's in therapy girl Mm -hmm. okay we'll write that we'll write that together together. i bet you there's a lot of stories about that sort of thing that is so funny yeah so that so i just was used to not talking about things and you know drinking it down so uh, i think we were talking about the window my windows let's get that insane window story out so yeah so i just moved to scottsdale we went out with a neighbor of ours who i i i lived there i not long at all. And um, I had just gotten a job recently. I was excited about it to have an income, you know. And the neighbor we went out with ended up being someone that my boyfriend at the time was cheating on me with. And I didn't realize. But I was like, okay, let's go with this really pretty blonde girl you've been talking to. Because he moved to Arizona a couple months before I did. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, we're all going to be friends. But I knew something weird was up. And we went out and we're drinking and having a good time. And then some guy came up to me at the bar and... Uh, asked me (laughs) it's Scottsdale and uh this area of Scottsdale is like everyone's beautiful it's the plastic surgery capital it's the blonde hair capital are you north of I don't think is it Cape Creek Road is it are you I'm in South Scottsdale you're in South so we're in old town old town okay got it got it but if you're not by like the country clubs or anything no but people from there come down to party in old town because they literally had clubs that had uh you know four floors and every floor had a different theme and so this guy comes up to me and my boyfriend at the time sees it from across the way but real he thinks he sees me give this guy my information yes so he freaks out on me like just like f you blah, 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 leaves me i don't know my address so i'm drunk and i didn't learn my address and i don't have a key i don't know what's going on what really was happening at the time was the guy worked at a gym and he was a trainer and everyone there's really fit and small and i'm built like a farm girl like i have like bones and bodies and like you are you're beautiful <laughs> number one you're you're gorgeous well, but nice. i understand what it's like to like Where you're like looking at yourself. a tiny person i mean yeah. these women were tiny yes and it was like everyone was a model and there here's yes. me you know so he's like hey you know have you ever thought about training i was like oh are you saying i've ever thought about losing weight yeah every day but you know yes <laughs> so i was like i guess i mean I'm looking around, I'm drunk, I'm just like, I guess I want to look like her, you know, that's about a size two, that looks good, I've never been that in my life, so I give him my information. So this guy leaves me, my boyfriend at the time left me, I'm with the neighbor girl, and she's wasted, I have to hold her up, she's literally this beautiful blonde, she's like 6'2", she's falling down, she lost her purse, I don't, my, I have a cell phone, but I don't have much battery left, this is like 2007, I think. Uh, I don't have any friends. You know, I, the only person I really know is him. And now this new pretty girl that's, you know, doing stuff with them that I don't know yet. (laughs) Right. So I'm thinking, what are we going to do? You know, we're on the curb. She can't remember how to get home or anything. She doesn't have her wallet. I don't have my wallet. I don't have a key. I just have my phone. So this Hummer, or it was like a stretch Hummer pulls up. And apparently when you're beautiful and blonde and six, two stretch Hummers pull up and say, would you like a ride? And she was like, I would. And she's like, I have my friend here. And he's like, I remember him saying, I guess she can come to <laughs> So I'm like, oh, fine. So I hop in like, thank you, sir. That was very kind of you. <laughs> she oh remembers the address and tells him. Yes. So we get there. We go in. 
I don't know which one's my apartment, Anna. I don't know what number. I'm drunk. I have no idea. So she's like, you can come at my apartment. So I do. But of course, that drunken me is like pissed. And I'm thinking, I want to get in my own apartment. I got to find him. So I yeah. leave her apartment. She passes out. I could have had a nice, could have just went to sleep in like a, you know, her little guest bedroom. I go out and start knocking on doors. This is probably three in the morning on like a Monday. And after a couple people answer and they're like, what? And I'm like, oh, I, I can't do this. I can't do this. Um, I finally find my apartment. I'm like, okay, that's definitely yeah. my apartment. But somehow in my blackout, I, I I start knocking. He doesn't answer. So then I go out the gate and I think we have a patio out front of the apartment building. I hope this is all making sense. No, I and, totally get it because I just for some context to people who've never been to Arizona, apartment complexes are not small no. the way they are in California or mm-hmm. other states or like New York. An apartment building in Arizona is a compound with several yes. buildings, mm-hmm. a large parking lot. Mm-hmm. It's like you can get lost in your own apartment yes. complex. And yeah, I had never insane. experienced that. And I'd yeah. only known apartments where the hallways were inside and now I'm walking outside and I have an yes. entryway that's yeah. outside. It was so mm-hmm. foreign to me being from Minnesota. So I thought, well, I'll just go throw rocks at the window. Maybe he's not hearing me because our bedroom window. I get locked out then. So my only person I know, um, you know, the girl, she's passed out and drunk in her apartment. I can't remember which one's hers to go wow. back there. I'm locked out. I'm throwing these rocks. He's not answering. I try to climb one of those iron fences with the pokies uh-huh. on top even though we're second floor i guess i'm going to climb into someone else's <sighs> that neighbor below us was nice enough to be like i'll just let you in the gate they heard me out there came out i'm on the phone with my parents in minnesota by this time and they're like they already hated my boyfriend at the time and they're like what the f is going on and i'm like well, you know who knows what yeah. i was saying to them my phone dies then cool. so i'm telling them i'm out i don't know where i am and i'm outside of my apartment i'm locked out and my mom and dad in minnesota are like oh my god yeah <laughs> so my phone dies and i'm thinking what am i gonna do i can't remember where the girl lives i do know where i live but he's not answering the door so we had a window to a guest bedroom next to our door so i thought well i'm just i was kicking i was like kick through the window and then i'll just jump in and open the door and i did i fucking kicked <laughs> through the window with your super drunk lady strength yeah so the super drunk lady strength while wearing capri pants and ballet flats and uh, <laughs> my leg went through it but then i pulled it out and there was a huge shard of glass hanging out of the back and then I had a neighbor on the corner who I didn't know yet at the time. Um, and she came out and she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I was just bleeding. And I'm like, what do I do? He still didn't wake up, my boyfriend at the time. Uh. So there's blood everywhere. The window shattered. My leg has glass hanging out of it. I'm like in and out of blackout. Like, what the heck? This lady's like, come with me, come with me. She doesn't pull the glass out. She wraps my leg smart in towels. And then I say, I think you have to call 911. Like, I was feeling like I'm fading here. Yeah. You got to call 911. And she's like, I see her like rustling around. She's hiding pills. She has pill bottles everywhere. She was awake for a reason. Yes. She was just eating Adderall. <laughs> yes. Crafting yes. something that's never going to get finished. <laughs> exactly. Petting a cat, talking mm-hmm. to nothing. 
Whoa. So then I said, please, can you call 911? And I have all these towels wrapped around my leg. And she goes, okay, but you have to promise me, do not tell them about my pills. She was very, I mean, she was clearly just like hyped up, jacked up on whatever uh-huh. she was taking. And I'm like, I won't, I don't, look at me. Like, <laughs> I, that's the least of your worries. <laughs> so then the paramedics come and they were so sweet. And they took me in the uh, ambulance and I don't have insurance, like I said. I'm not starting my job for two days. I don't know anything. Apparently Arizona has access. Um, but I didn't apply for that because yeah. I thought, well, I'm just going to get a job. So I don't need it. And it's a nightmare it. too. I know oh, yeah. somebody whose like, wife just died and mostly because they couldn't get a solution through yeah. access there. It's like, it's real bad. Yeah. So uh, I remember the paramedics just being so sweet and kind. It was like a bunch of guys. And I was embarrassed, but also cracking jokes. Because um, at that point, fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> and then when they and brought me And also paramedics in, are hot. These guys were. They were Scottsdale paramedics. Yeah. They were super hot and really sweet. And they're like, what are you doing? And then I remember them kind of lecturing me on the guy. Like, what kind of guy would leave you at a bar? And I was like, he's... <gasps> and then I was like, you guys don't understand him. He's really stressed out. And I <laughs> you know what I, sounded you know? like a bad destiny child song like (laughs) girl shut up so um i they roll me in and they all gave me a gift once they got me in the room (gasps) they gave me a rock every one of them came and handed me a rock uh because it is arizona and my whole like courtyard was filled with rocks because you know you actually get i think uh, money off on your taxes or tax deductions if you don't have grass because of the drought and stuff because it being a desert people rake their rocks yes you have to buy a rock rake you gotta rake your rocks it's a whole thing and so they were like next time honey use this and so it was so funny and so sweet. They called me Chuck Norris all through the ride going, they're like, come on, Chuck. They're really sweet. The doctor wasn't as sweet, and I don't blame him. He's in the ER. He's dealing with serious stuff, and he's got old drunky tequila sitting there with glass in her leg saying, I didn't drink that much. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, listen, I've had 25 Becky with a good hair already. I need you to just be quiet. Yes. So he digs the glass out of my Ooh. leg. It took like an hour and they didn't get it all. And I lost Whoa. feeling on part of, um, it is my right leg. So there's parts of it. I have a scar where I can't feel. And he's like, there's glass and you might feel it moving around from time to time. And then he asked me about insurance and access. Whoa. And I'm like, I do not have insurance. And I've never in my life not had insurance. I've been very lucky to either be insured by my parents or have a job. And I've been working since I was like 17. Yeah. You know, so I didn't experience, I was only out of work for two months. Whoa. That's the longest I think since I was 17, I've been out of work. You know, when they talk about the need for universal health care, mm-hmm. like those are the moments. Like, yes. Even if you are an affluent person or you have, you've had opportunity, your mm-hmm. parents are covering you or your parents are hardworking. You've always like, you're doing your, there's going to be a gap in your insurance yes. someday. And that's always when my, my cousin broke a wrist. It's Ugh. like, it's, you know, it's always that little gap where something happens. So, mm-hmm. You know, I'm just glad. I'm glad you're okay. Yeah. That's such a funny fucking story. Well, I didn't have money then, too. I had to stay there. I finally got hold of my parents. And then they, I was so embarrassed. I lost a shoe. I lost one of my little uh, ballet flats through the window. And so they put a little, like, booty thing on me, like one of those paper shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember they said, we won't let you leave until you can... Um, uh, call like until you call a cab and stuff, and yeah. so I lied to them, and so I called a cab, and instead I started walking. So I'm <gasps> a wreck, and then it starts raining. It never rains and in Arizona. In blood, right? I, yeah, because well, my leg at this time was like, but yeah, I have blood Is on it my clothes. Season? And stuff. It was not because okay. it was 
February. Okay, so it was a soft rain. So you have like the. So there's two. It's a soft rain. It's a Mm -hmm. soft rain. Okay, so there's in the summertime, Arizona has monsoons, Mm -hmm. and they're super fun to watch from like oh i don't know a safe place exactly but like you always get stuck in them in a car and you like it's just sort of it's just like what you would see in like a nature documentary about africa it's like (laughs) there's a ton of water all of a sudden there's flash flood and warnings Mm -hmm. and like a tumbleweed you know hits your car yeah like there's like (laughs) fucking trees those evil spiny trees that they use for landscaping out Mm -hmm. there just flying everywhere and Mm -hmm. it's it's pretty bad it is i'm glad it wasn't a monsoon wasn't a monsoon (laughs) was it but i trying to figure out where i live and then I stopped at a coffee shop, asked if I could use their phone, tried to call my then boyfriend at the oh, time. He didn't answer. No. So I, I was like, where's this street? It was like the street I lived on. I think it was, um, what street did I live in? Osborne or something you at the time. And so I walked home from the place with a booty. I mean, it was like the ultimate walk of shame. It was worse. I wish I would have had sex. You know what I mean? Like, I wish there would have been a perk to that situation. <laughs> Listen, I didn't even come. I didn't get anything out of this. It was just horrible. Oh Where in last night's, you know, everything, last night's blood. And <laughs> so, <laughs> were the capris white? They were black, thankfully. Oh, thankfully. Yeah, but I had this like rose colored short sleeve, like sweater shirt with a little cleave that I thought was so risque. I, I love <laughs> Coming it. from Minnesota. And uh, I, I got to our, our street and I see the guy I'm dating. <gasps> he drove to work. He got, I go, didn't you see the glass and the blood? He goes, yeah, I, I didn't know what happened, but I got to get to work. And I go, no, no, you don't. You're not going to work. And yeah. yeah, that was the Call beginning it. of a long end. <laughs> what happened with the guy? Was he just, so you found out about the girl and then you hit him with a frying pan or Well, whatever? I didn't find out about her for a while. I found out about other girls. Oh, There was no. a vegan in community college who went to Scottsdale <laughs> Community College. I love that. She was an artichoke. She's That's a, what they're called. Oh, um, the chokes. Yeah, the chokes. Her name Go was chokes. Valerie and they were doing butt stuff and I, I wasn't willing to do butt stuff. So you lose out, I guess. But, or you win, actually. You do win when a situation like oh, that. Oh my God. I read, I finally read emails. People have been telling me for years, but I was with this guy from the time I was 22 to the time I was 29. Oh. <gasps> So it was a lot of breaking up and people, you know, my friends were just like, one day she's going to get it. And when I got it, I got it. And then never heard from him again. Good. So that was good. But this was still two years till we'd break up. Listen, I don't under. I don't want to harbor any resentments for you or mm-hmm. against anybody, but may his teeth fall out and hair grow in its place. <laughs> like, wow, that would be awesome. <laughs> I think he ended up marrying a really pretty girl and lives in the south or something. But um, you know, good on whatever. good on it. Yeah, who cares? There's God no, bless. you know, we're young and people are whatever. Yeah, people and, are supposed to. Eat. This, and this, I would never the guy you're supposed to date in your twenties. Yeah, unfortunately, your whole twenties, which is about. I, I did this. Know. I was in a relationship my whole twenties too. When oh, I really? Hit, yeah, when I hit, I was good. Uh, I like this because. 28 to 26 I was in a 13 step relationship and like I didn't understand that like I didn't understand I should have been single after that Mm -hmm. I just hopped into another relationship to get out of this relationship so that was my bad boundary is I've made amends awkward amends I've done it like it's fine and then um, we're we're at peace with that action and so like I hop into this other relationship and then all of a sudden I'm 31 and or 30 and I'm like it's it's a whole story. He had a stroke, the whole thing. We were oh together gosh. way too long. And then so I'm 30 and I'm single for the first time. And you know what? I had some fun. Yeah. Like I had some Mama didn't feel any shame. Some <laughs> of my friends, some of my friends in the program were like, Don't you think you're being I was like, No. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not drinking. I'm not using drugs. Yep. You know, I'm just, just 
You yeah, know, and if you've you never been single, I mean... Yeah, you got to get it out of your system. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting when you have your sponsor and your therapist sit you down and be like, you need to learn how to have casual sex. Like, not everybody <laughs> who sees your vagina owns you for 10 years. Yeah, it's like you've that gotta, was my thing. That yeah. was my thing. And I think, yeah, it was like, that's all I knew is I have yeah. friends back home who've been together since they were 14. Most, a lot of people married people we went to high school with. My parents are yes. high school sweethearts. So, so I always girl. felt, yeah, like it would yeah. be a failure if I let, if I moved across the country with this guy and my cousin got him the job mm. where, where we moved to and I would be letting all these people down no. And so I kept making it work. But I'm so happy I did because I didn't start comedy till I moved to Arizona. I didn't meet my now husband till I moved to Arizona. Right. So it all, like my mom still is like, if I ever see him, you know, in her Midwestern way, but I'd be scared of my mom because I think she, that'd be the person she'd punch is him. And I, I'm go I'm like, let it go. It's actually a gift because it brought me to child right. and my parents love my husband now and He's I love my life. Yeah. So I hated my life then and I hated it when I was in it. And you can recognize how good your life is now and mm-hmm. how good your relationship is now because you were with that bag of dicks. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, just having a partner, having someone who likes all the the annoying things or that someone would used to say was annoying about mm-hmm. me, someone that likes that about me, someone who's like-minded. I'd never dated another creative in my yeah. life. And I was like, oh my God, we can just lay in bed and make up sketches. Like, <laughs> just like sit here and go back and forth. Oh it's my, so fun. I just wrote a sketch that's literally just a bit that me and Stuart do all the time called The King of Hollywood, where he's just this person who shows up to offer you a TV show, but you have to do something <laughs> terrible to get it. Like, you have to, and, and it's always like, and then he tells you the terrible thing and he's like, also, it's non union. Oh and my like, gosh, it's always that's so like, it's like funny, like just like layers and layers. Yeah. And, and finally, I was just like I gotta write these sketches I don't know what to do and so I just started writing King of Hollywood and like I totally get it yeah did people try to like poo-poo like did other comics like don't fuck the comedians and you're like fuck you I'm gonna marry one yeah um he's the only comic I've ever dated and at the time we met in a stand-up comedy class so we met as we were starting Mm. and he was in another relationship I was in another relationship and so we started as friends cute yeah so and we lied to people for years because I had been my relationship had been so public in that not that you know I was a public figure but I put everything on Facebook and me and my ex and I tried to sell it for so long whether it was on MySpace or Facebook or to my friends and stuff so I wanted something of my own and private so I would just be like me and Chell are just really good friends and people are like yeah freaking right and then somebody would be like well maybe Chell's just gay and that's her gay friend we're like yeah he's totally gay he's gay just stay with that and then I think it took us almost a year for us to start telling people because we didn't want the comics in our business because we did have a lot of um, comedian, you know, especially it's the comic always, guys will say stuff it's always a dude they walk mm-hmm. up to you and they're just like don't fuck the comedians yeah. and what it's about is they want to reserve the right to fuck you yes it, mm-hmm. it's it's just misogyny oh, yeah. it's just opportunistic Chell's been bullshit punished like where he's went in the lineup for that because you know there's like not saying like oh I was like the hot get or whatever but in Arizona there were some comedian guys that were you know and it's it's that's how it is for us yeah. right when you start to like, well, write with me it's like no and you don't want to write with me like I know you're not funny <laughs> like you're not going to help me and I used to get this one do you want to write with me and I'd be like sure I have this time and this time available thinking they actually want to write with me because yeah. I was naive I was like 12 step naive I just yeah. like wandered into the world of regular people mm-hmm. and was just like oh I'm an idiot <laughs> and like didn't know and so uh then they would send me a picture of their penis Ugh. 
And then I would just send them a picture of some, I, this is, I talk about on stage, I save pictures of penises that people sent me and I would just send them a different penis. <gasps> That's so great. Yeah. Oh I recommend <gasps> anyone send you a weird picture of that their penis. That is so great. Hold on to it. It's yours. Oh. Make a Christmas card out of it. Like make it a thing. You oh know what I mean? Gosh. Like I want to see that. I'm always talking in, in books, but I want to see that like in a book, like tips to do yes. for women like I could see you write that down like here's what you do if you get dick pics you send another dick pic you know yeah <laughs> exactly Instead save of, your dick pics <laughs> save them like there's a way to like craft with you it you could have a whole like coffee table book about what to do with dick pics how fun would that be that, like Amy Sedaris style oh that would be I have both a very Amy like, Sedaris yes like books. at home with um, Anna Venezuela Vel- and her uh, dick pics like, <laughs> dick pics at home with your dick pics yeah at home that's with your dick pics I love it that's so fun. I would buy that at Urban Outfitters today right. <laughs> right so what is so so i'm thank you for sharing that story obviously oh, yeah. your stories are so funny Thanks. you're so self-aware it's so cute and i'm so happy for you in the trajectory of your life thank you because you're killing it oh i wish i felt that way but i mean i feel that way like in my personal life but like comedy wise you think like career wise you're like oh i should be farther along i'm gonna be 39 you know it's like that la mentality starts getting to you yeah first off you don't look 39 at all thank you i'm like living for your forehead skin like all of the skin oh. is great but like i'm just like how girl like, your skin is beautiful I feel, and you're younger than me so i feel like i've been working i've been working outside for my day job sometimes and like so i have my inside job and then i have my side <laughs> job and I, i'm like I'm, i don't want to look like an old catcher's mitt one day <laughs> it could happen um, i've seen mel gibson in real life oh my gosh <laughs> you have yeah <gasps> oh wow yeah and he does look like an old catcher's mitt yeah because i just saw him in that dad i okay i watched daddy's home too I, don't ask you it's, you said that your family you guys got together and you just kept watching daddy's home was that you no, did, oh, no. That, someone else did that i yes. need to be their friend i watched it by myself one day during the holidays while i was because you know working from home sometimes yeah. i'll put on movies in the back and yeah he looked bad in that so i can't imagine i mean and they they could easily do some after effects on him and they probably did <laughs> and he still looks like that this so this is the best we can do mel <laughs> Uh, <laughs> with all that in mind, how do you how do you make decisions in your life? Uh, how what do you mean? How do I make? Sorry. Well, sort of like it's sort of in in line with that like third tradition, like earth not third tradition, mm-hmm. third step, like um, making a decision. Oh. Like how do you make decisions in your life? Um. Well, I am someone who I I'm not a planner. Okay. I'm definitely someone who is I do before I think about it. Me too. And I jump before I think. And I I almost get more uh, anxious if I have to plan something. Like when people are like, yes, we're going to, you know, Cancun. And I go, oh, when? They're like, oh, in six months we plan to show. I'm like, why, why would you wait? Go now. <laughs> like, yeah. you have all this time for something horrible to happen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there could be an earthquake in Cancun. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I am making decisions wise. I definitely jump to things that I want. Okay. So I'm more of a, I don't know if that answers your question. No, I think so. If you want to. You're like a go with you your gut elaborate. I'm, I'm a go with my gut. I definitely yeah. am a go with my gut. I feel it out a little bit. And if it feels good, I feel like I can read people pretty well and situations okay after everything that I've been through mm-hmm. um, and all the therapy I've went through. So. How many years of therapy? Oh my God. Started when I was 17 then stopped when I was maybe like 18 or so started back up again when I was 20 and stuff mm-hmm. when I was like 23 mm-hmm. then started back up at 28 until now. Oh, I love it. So it's just like 
all the therapy I've had, all I, of it. I get it. I take, I steal people's therapy. <laughs> I'm like, you're a dad. I just go in people's just go to appointments people's and start crying. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't know me, but I need this. I need this. <laughs> well, that was a funny, like when I did therapy, when I was right before my breakup too. So probably like 28, it was after my mom died. So like 28 to like 30 three and then 32 33 and then I started doing stand-up and my therapist was actually like you're you're all right like you know when you you know when you're done because you just start having sessions where it's just like two girls gabbing yes I had a therapist that I had in Arizona forever mm-hmm. and I actually eventually switched um, yes. therapists I wanted to see someone in person but it got to that with her like I was so comfortable and she was so great but then I also got to that point where I was like I don't want to disappoint her yeah she thinks I'm doing good Yes. And I am, but then when I wasn't, I didn't feel comfortable saying it. You feel like you could it. say it, yeah. yeah. And that's that's how you know you have to, if you're listening and you're like, I don't know anything about therapy, that's kind of yeah. know, you know when you've graduated either out of that therapist and or mm-hmm. you're probably self-actualized enough to, you know, live on your own for yes. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so I reached that point and then um, comedy it happened mm-hmm. both good and bad things and then health stuff happened that were like not so comfortable and then like really like friendships and relationship stuff happening and then so i ended up back in therapy my therapist is always like do you find the longer you've been in therapy this is like an additional question this will be our 13th question <laughs> do you find that when you're in therapy you like because you've been doing it for so long mm-hmm. that you're like like I do all my homeworks. If you give me an assignment, yeah. I do it. Mm-hmm. And then I come in and I'm like, and I also did a vision board and I also did this yeah. and I also did that. And they're just like, you're like an over, yeah, you feel like an overachiever. And it's yeah. like, I'm also reading the room and I feel like sometimes I know where she's going to yes. go with that. So I'm prepping like, okay, well, here's where, here's what I think you're saying. And she's like, yes. So yeah, I definitely feel like an overachiever when I'm in therapy That's so funny. and I share so much and like Chell and I we do couples therapy and we love it um we started that like a couple years ago just out of like LA like moving here and like like moves you know financial stuff moves in sobriety or recovery is like that's really I've moved a bunch of times it's really it is it's really hard. It definitely is. Yeah. And we just love our therapist. And it's really helped us with communication because Cute. we never really had a big issue because people will go, well, why? Oh, my God, what happened? I'm like, nothing other than we wanted to communicate with each other. And if this thing, once we got married, it was like, if we're a family now and this is going to be forever, like we need to put the work into it and make yeah. sure that we're talking to each other yeah. and we're listening to each other. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of a geek for therapy. I got him into therapy, so he has his Cute. own. And now we're both weird, you know, weird all therapy people. No, it's good. I think I think when one person's on a journey, and this happened in my relationship mm-hmm. too. He was in therapy when we met, and then he stopped doing therapy, and then I started like when shit hit the van for me, I started hardcore getting back into it. And I think when one person's on a journey and the other one's not, you'll oh, outgrow that person. Right? So it's sort That's of so like true. sorry, but you mm-hmm. kind of have to do it too. Yeah. Like it's just part of it's just part of the experience yeah. of being in a relationship. You either grow together or you grow apart. Mm-hmm. So I applaud both of you. That's amazing. Until I get into couples therapy where it's not like something super yeah. crazy, broken and wrong. It's mm-hmm. just like, we just want to be better for each other. I know. What the fuck? We always laugh at our therapist. She's so great. She, you know, we, yeah, just laugh because it's just like, yeah, we're going to talk about this really dumb issue. And I'm sure she deals with very serious stuff. She's like, no, it's not dumb because it's important to you yes. and your growth. And I'm like, thanks. And it's like, Aww. all right, let's talk again about some ridiculous argument we had. Exactly. Mm-hmm. The, the ridiculous. Like, I'm, we're at the ridiculous argument phase of our relationship. Like one time he was just like, 
I came in the room. I should have said nothing. He came in the room. This is my control stuff. I came in the room and he was cooking soup in a skillet. And I was like, why are you cooking soup in a skillet? And he's like, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making soup. But I was like, in a frying pan. And he was like, that's not a frying pan. And I was like, what do you think that is? And he was like, it's a saucepan. And I was like, it's not a song. <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, and then I realized like he escalated and I escalated mm-hmm. and I was like, wait a minute. Why are we arguing about this? I don't care what the fuck you cook the soup yeah. in. Cook it in a fucking bucket. It's your soup. It's your soup. <laughs> like, why are you freaking out? Mm-hmm. Like, I just thought you were doing something. I thought you were maybe adding ingredients or, you know, like yeah. doing something. Else. I don't know <laughs> what you were doing. Anyway. But yeah, those kind of dumb arguments. It's amazing. And you have you have to remember like you're living and we're living in LA and we're living in closer spaces together with our significant others. And we're in the same business as our significant others. Chell and I have have been doing a podcast for almost two years together. Wow. And we've What's that podcast, by the way? Plug it. Oh, it's called Married to Bravo. Get it. It's about Bravo television shows. It's super silly, and I made him do it because he married me. Um, Yay. But you guys watch Bravo shows together. Yeah. The basic premise is he hates it. I love it. And but we watch it together, hoping that one day it'll make our marriage stronger so his perspective is always from the outsider bravo fan and i'm the insider bravo person and so it's actually come together really nicely we recap episodes and just talk about that shows and stuff i love a hot recap but oh man there's a lot of editing that goes on because in between you know you might get an argument or i might be like i feel like your energy is really low right now like i'll do that i'll get controlling on him and i'll go we have to bring it for our listeners (laughs) that is so funny calm down julian i'm like i'm gonna press pause we need to talk about this and so yeah so our last episode was like that and then we'll say it in the episode so people will leave us reviews on iTunes and go I feel like it's also marriage therapy like they're working (gasps) out their issues on air so I love it the stuff on the cutting room floor though but I end up being you know telling people like oh we got in a fight during this episode Charles like oh god don't share everything because he's a lot more private than I am and I'm like you want to know I'll tell you that's cute Mm -hmm. I like it I like that there is what's the most interesting thing you've discovered about yourself on this journey um, I think the most interesting, God, you have the best questions, Anna. Thank I like you. this podcast. Thank you. Um, I'm glad you're into it. The most interesting thing I've discovered is that I am a capable human being. Yeah. And that I can go get things I want and that I don't need someone else or something else to push me to that, whether it be alcohol or a guy or my parents. Yes. It's me. Yes. And I can do it. So yes. it's like this inner strength, I guess I didn't know I had. I always felt I was strong, but I didn't really. I felt like I was physically strong, yeah. but not like mentally and spiritually. And now I'm feeling a little more Yay. that way. So I think, yeah, that's what it's given me. It's given me myself. Like I can believe in me above yeah. all else. God, I feel like an inspirational sign right now. No, I love it. No, <laughs> lean in. I, oh God, especially this last year, I've literally probably read 25 books on Audible. Not read, listen. Yeah. I feel no, like I could do say like, read. <laughs> yeah, say read, right? Uh, but like I've audibled so many like um, uh, insp- kind of inspirational, but mostly like self-help books mm-hmm. to the point where like now I'm starting to find them funny. Like there's, oh, gosh. but like, I can't stop with that. I fucking, I love it. I love a slogan moment. Oh my I God. The amount of times I carry around and then read the four agreements to remind myself that bitch, it's not all about you. That person's reaction has nothing to do with yes. you. Relax. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I get it. You have to get in there. Like you got to lean mm-hmm. in. It's sort of like, you know, when you're young and when you're new in comedy, there's so many people that are so attached to being cool. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's sometimes self-improvement and self-growth is not cool. Sometimes you go to a sound bath 
Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you do some like weird hippie yeah. shit. Yeah. Like it's that's one thing I'm glad that uh, ever since I started, I was never cool. I've never been a cool comedian. I've never been the comic that other comics were like, man, she's cool. She's. A, I've always gotten comments just like, wow, you say the scariest things but in a funny way like, yes. just like that you have this sweet funny package to like <laughs> i kicked a window in yeah. <laughs> it's like so cute i love it i love the juxtaposition what would you say your level of honesty is um too honest i would say okay too uh, at times i wish i would dial it back a little bit because i think uh one thing like my husband says he's like one thing i admire about you is how vulnerable you are and how yeah. vulnerable you're able to be and i think that's so important for an artist but i also have to still work on myself and find where how i protect myself while still being vulnerable because i've been someone who will say i mean i had a podcast with um andy erickson i don't know if you yeah, yeah, yeah. and we talked about physical and mental health conditions for like over a year and i shared so many stories yeah. on there and I love it but throughout my life being honest about either my addiction or my mental health I've got that thrown back in my face a lot of times or I've been How blamed so? um, well I remember certain Christmases um, where uh, it, this was with my ex at the time but his family members knew I had done I had a, a crazy story but I had I checked myself in for um into like uh, uh, I don't want to say men- I would say mental hospital but it wasn't but it's like a what, what would you call it? it's not a mental hospital it's a I don't know why I'm saying mental hospital it, uh, um, like a, it's a hospital for the mental okay <laughs> I don't know is it, it is. is it more like a uh, like a day treatment center or like a mental health treatment center mental health treatment like, center that sounds better but when yeah. you say mental it's like I don't want to make it sound like I'm making fun of sort that of, or anything sort of like uh, the show Enlightened on HBO like you went to like you went to like a retreat thing where you focused on your mental health. Yeah. And it definitely wasn't a retreat. It was definitely like a hospital hospital setting, setting. but I checked myself in. Um, I was just at my lowest and it was after that, that I started stand up comedy. So it was this weird journey and I went on short term disability from work and I was just, I wasn't leaving my house. I was having panic attacks, OCD, just a whole bunch of things were happening. And I was still drinking at the time. Um, uh, and so, I remember coming home for Christmas because I was on short-term disability and my boyfriend at the time, his parents lived near my parents and I remember his brother-in-law, I had just went through this horrible thing of just, uh, I mean, even though I was only there 24 hours because then they evaluated me and they were like, you need outpatient, not inpatient. Because the people I was there with, I mean, it was so serious. These these beautiful people that were just struggling. I mean, people thought... I was one of the nurses or doctors while I was in there. They're asking me for their meds. That's how different we were mental state. Like I was so depressed. That's the mental health clinic they I were, go to now. Yeah, yeah, they were talking to people that weren't there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was different mm. levels. So I remember um, his brother-in-law, we were all sitting at the table and I said something. He goes, Jillian, why don't you go take your meds? Why don't you take your meds? And the amount of times someone had said similar things to that or blamed me because I have way too many stories about this, but I was misdiagnosed as bipolar for seven years oh no yeah because so it they was put you on all those bipolar yeah. medications it was probably a driving down your energy or b increasing your anxiety because mm-hmm. it does nothing for anxiety and i didn't know and it wasn't until oh, i no. went to see a guy at cedar sinai who was actually britney spears um oh hey psychi- i know i was like oh tell me a little bit but he didn't uh um, that by the way pre-smashing the window with the umbrella and the shaved head or at post post oh, so this is just this is the doctor to yes see. The, yes he is legit i mean he i think his oh. office was on robertson by the ivy like it's a Ooh, legit okay mm-hmm. i felt fancy but i wanted to go i researched to someone because it never sat right with me but i started to let it define me and i made a web series about it and it was like bipolar and i did a web uh, yes. a web series i did a yes. website and then 
uh, the more I talked to my therapist when I got a new therapist, they were like, I don't see any bipolar. I had never had a manic episode. But that 24 hours I spent in the hospital, they gave me bipolar 2 diagnosis, which is like a severe mood disorder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with with and, hallucinatory symptoms yeah, and but the I whole ne- nine. And there, he was like, well, have it. And the more I talked to my therapist and then saw him, he was like, no, you've been misdiagnosed. And I guess bipolar 2 um, is one that often can be misdiagnosed. And it, yeah. uh, pe- a lot of people are getting diagnosed with that, and that's not necessarily what they have. So definitely get a second opinion. I just ran with it because I thought, yeah, people always considered me moody, but that's not really what it is. I, oh, girl, you... I'm so glad we're talking right now, and I know we're gonna hang out more. Oh, I would love that. This is you're my sister in anxiety because oh. what happened was is I, it, there's a weird thing. If you're listening to this and you have time in the program, you're totally gonna get this. If you're new, buckle up. Mm-hmm. Here's the deal: like a lot of times, I first off, I have had a sponsor who's had a sponsor who's had a sponsor who have all at after 10 years had to go into a mental hospital because they started to experience mental health issues. And there is a weird stigma when you're supposed to like have your shit together Mm -hmm. about getting help. Yes. And so recently this last year, um, and I have a friend who she's been on the podcast. She's a very talented clinician and she is so funny. I was talking to her and I was like, I just need to, cause in therapy we've been talking about like my grandmother, and my mom probably suffered from some pretty major borderline oh, wow. narcissistic, yeah. like mm-hmm. somewhere in between, like stop walking on eight shells was too accurate of a book for me. Yeah. Like, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. How did they know? <laughs> like what? Like when I first went to a meeting and I was like, how did you know? Like, yeah. so, so there's that. But I, so I go into my therapist's office all the time and I'm like, you need to tell me if I have borderline, you need to tell me if I'm bipolar because I get really energized and get da, da, da. And then I had, cause I've had panic attacks my whole life, but I didn't mm-hmm. know what they were. I just thought everybody vomited every once in a yeah. while. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought everybody got real nervous and vomity mm-hmm. and like disassociated. <laughs> That's normal. Yeah. Right. So I had a panic attack after being on stage recently and I marched into my therapist's office and I was like. I got to be able to do my job. Mm-hmm. That's bottom line. Yeah. Like this is life beyond my wildest dreams. I did not work this hard to have my brain get in the way. What do we need to do? And then I was like, by the time I saw the psychiatrist, the psychiatrist was like, well, uh, tell, describe to me what happened. And I was like, well, do you think it's bipolar? Do you think it's this? Do you, and he just, you know, UCLA lab coat looks at me and he goes, no, that's a panic attack. Mm-hmm. You had a panic attack. Yeah. So I was just like, so that surrender and also the difference between like my friend who's the clinician, I was like, do I have all these things? You would tell me, right? Like, mm-hmm. or you would point me to a doctor that would tell, I was like freaking cause anxiety will convince you yes. you have 89 different disorders. And she was like, girl, you have, she was like, listen, <laughs> I can't tell you ethically what you do or do not have. She was like, what did your therapist tell you before? I was like, my jacket said bereavement and generalized anxiety disorder. And she goes, yeah, you got GAD hard. <laughs> She was like, I agree with the diagnosis. You definitely. So I totally understand because like anxiety looks and feels Mm -hmm. like mania. Yes. You crash super duper hard from it and it feels like depression, but it's actually the cycle of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so having a doctor or clinician that's very good at, and that's the difference is 
the once the panic attacks start and the panic disorder starts with it, it's like the rumination and the fear of actually having a panic attack. You don't even want to talk about it, that whole thing. So I just recently surrendered to like, you know, mama's got to take a little Zoloft. Yep, exactly. I take Pristique. I love it. I love it. Zoloft didn't agree with me. I've had a couple of things that didn't yeah, yeah, quite yeah, yeah. agree with me. There was another one. Um, I've, uh, they always go with Paxil. Paxil gives me night yeah, terrors. Terrible oh, night terrors. I, when I first started Pristique, it gave me some night terrors. But it, it it's the first. I've been on so many antidepressants and anxiety medications that I feel like this is the first one yeah. that has the least amount of side effects because I had the weight gain one. Oh, and then it's like, if you're not already depressed and anxious now, add 20 pounds to me. I mean, God. <laughs> you're like, I work in entertainment. Right? Like, hello. Uh, at, the, at the time, my commercial agent was already sending me out for the, you know, quote unquote, fat girl roles, which it would say in the damn description of it. Uh, it's like, uh, they just, they don't make it easy for women. But yeah. What they, a nightmare. What a nightmare. But the anxiety thing, I, I was so happy to finally, and then get on medication and then realize, no wonder my anxiety never went away. The medications I was on, he was like, bipolar, that medication doesn't nothing for anxiety it does nothing because i was like i'm still feeling like i did but i just went with it and i was like this is me i'm bipolar and now i'm gonna speak for bipolar (laughs) i'm gonna do it's like oh well it's it's your heart's in the right place Mm -hmm. and i'm just so grateful that you're sharing that story because it does it took me a long i like at first my head you know the same brain that says that you're not funny and there's a conspiracy never to tell you Mm -hmm. um is the same brain that's just like you can't talk about this the first time i talked about it on the pod i edited it out really uh-huh and i to be honest with you I fucking hate editing. So yeah, that had to be some deep shame to get me to like mm-hmm. you had edit. to get into GarageBand, cut that <laughs> shit. <laughs> GarageBand is not easy to edit in sometimes. No, it's it can like, be a pain. It's convenient if you just slap it in and go. Yep. But like it's it's a um it's a whole so thank you for sharing that. And oh, I'm yes. so sorry people because it's their discomfort with it. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with you. Oh, there was I felt the stigma the whole time that I was diagnosed as bipolar and openly bipolar. Oh, I used to do jokes about that because people looked at you differently when you told them. Yeah. And so I feel so much for people that actually do have bipolar right. because it is one of the last, that in borderline because it's so misunderstood and there's really not good medication out there that I know of. It's really tough. And a yeah. lot of therapists don't even want to deal with borderline people because it can be really dangerous Uh for this is what I've heard from um, therapists that I've seen that they mm-hmm. stop seeing borderline people. So I just, really? yes, I feel uh, my homegirl, mm-hmm. her wheelhouse is borderline personality really? disorder. She's so fucking talented. It's like her favorite clients. Good. Because I'm glad there's, cause I've yeah. heard so many people be like, Oh, I, I can't even, I can't work with. And I'm like, ah, oh, what are these people supposed to do? If they can't, if they can't get yeah, home and it's not their fault. Like that's, it's still, it's like, I feel like, you know, depression, anxiety is still very misunderstood. Yeah. Very much. Cause people are like, well, I'm anxious or, Oh, just get over it or breathe or meditate. It's like, bitch, I can't meditate. My brain won't shut up. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, I tried to meditate and then I got mad at the meditating voice. Cause in my head I was like, he's got a good voice gig and I want that and I should have that in my life it's so funny so it's your brain's never like I need more than that like yes. I, I need things so I, I do I feel because I really think bipolar especially is the last uh, of the mental health issues that really people are okay with stigmatizing and we always she's so bipolar yeah it, that's, she's so bipolar you hear that on television what shows you, you hear that all the time if she's a bitch she's bipolar if she's it's like no don't first of all don't call her a bitch but she might just be a bitch like not yeah. everyone who exhibits some kind of uh, meanness or something you don't like is bipolar or god forbid she might just have boundaries 
boundaries and yes. you have issues with women. Exactly. <laughs> that is more of the true story than anything. Yeah. And it's, and I say that to men and women because mm-hmm. misogyny, like misogyny runs in all of us. Yep. Like it, it does. It really does. Mm-hmm. I have to check myself regularly. And I think of myself as like a good feminist, you know, and right. then I'm like, what are you doing? What are you saying? You right. Know? It's so. like, if somebody's too pretty, too talented, yes. too, it's like this bitch. Mm-hmm. Like, but then you're like, no, 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 no. no like, I want to celebrate that shit yes. because there's enough, there's a whole other gender that's already trying to hold that shit down. So why do I want to attack her too? Right. Why not look at it and go, that's one thing I've gotten good at too in sobriety is looking at something and being like, why am I mad at this? It's because I'm jealous. It's because I want that. So another really great book called The Dance of Anger. Ooh, Mm, that sounds like a book for me. It's an old (laughs) school. And it's the same thing. It's like, why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. Basically. But it's like it was written in the 1980s. I've been talking about it a lot. This woman in fellowship chased me around for like five years and was like, she would listen to me share. And then she would go, have you ever read The Dance of Anger? And I'd be like, Debbie. (laughs) Calm no, down. <laughs> I haven't. And then I finally read it and mm-hmm. I do owe her like a text of being like, thank you so much. This is literally the best. It's like, it's like looking in the matrix. I, I think I'm, I'm going to write this down. Yeah, it's dope. I got to start on the 12 questions Instagram, just reviewing books. And just you so should. people like, because you know so much. I just, we need people like you hate <laughs> discomfort. And I want to know, I'm more curious about discomfort than I am willing to numb it at this point. Mm hmm. So that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Like I don't I'm like, okay, well then let's talk about it. Yes. It only makes you funnier, by the way. Self-exploration only makes you funnier. It, I wish I could go up to every comedian I see, mostly the men, and just say, Have you thought about therapy? Because you should. Because I feel like every comedian should be in therapy or do therapy yes. at some time and be more self-aware because I think like you said, it does make you funnier. It makes your jokes better, makes your writing yes. better, makes the fucking world better. Yes. Just do it. And I know not everyone has mental health benefits. I'm speaking from a place of privilege where I do have a job that has mental health. Okay, but here's this. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're in California especially, um, we talked about this on the the Up Close and Political podcast. Mm -hmm. I did that recently and there was a doctor there. Um, In California, there's no excuse you should have insurance um, Mm -hmm. because we have the best, Medi-Cal is literally in the nation, the best version of the the healthcare exchange. Mm -hmm. And um, they're going to keep it alive even after Obamacare died. Nice. So like Medi-Cal is tried and true. It's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I There are clinics. If you Google sliding scale clinics, one of the best doctors, one of the, the hands down best therapists I ever had was at a clinic, $25 a session. Oh my gosh, Gay that's amazing. Gay lesbian centers will see heterosexual people. Um, there is just no excuse. Like there are research, like mm-hmm. are, there are resources out there for everybody. Um, and honestly, what I've what I discovered is the stomach problems, the headaches, the vision problems. You know what? You deal with your crippling anxiety disorder, yeah. And you know what? You get less of headaches and stomach aches. Yes, it's true. Less muscle aches. It's mm-hmm. less. It's it actually costs the insurance system way less to treat people's mental health than wow. it does to treat people coming into the ER because they think they're having a heart attack. Like just, and they probably just are having acid reflux because that happened to me one time. <laughs> exactly. No, I once called my friend who's in the program. His he was in medical school, and I was like, "And my heart is racing, and this and this." And I feel like mm-hmm. my arms are tingling, and he goes, "Okay, um, <laughs> like again, legally, I can't really speak to this, but if you think you're having a heart attack, you should go to the hospital." <laughs> but. It just sounds like you're having a panic attack. Oh. And I was like, 
Oh, okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> so like, I just, I just, I love that you're open about it. Thanks. I, I, I just, I always will be. I know that there are, I, there are ways I'm going to suffer for it and that I have, but I feel like, um, the positives it does for me outweighs do you ever, the negative. Do you ever get it? I'm sorry. Do you ever, are you ever afraid that people in the industry will judge you? Cause I get that sometimes in my brain. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I am. Yeah. I've definitely, and I've, cause it's like, is she stable to work with? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm the most stable because I'm aware of what's going on in my head and working on it. Unlike most people who are pushing it down with denial and then you build up walls of denial that they'll never break through. So yeah. I had to, and I and I, I caught some heat for it. I had some comics tell me it was an excuse, but when I did roast battle, I was anemic. Mm-hmm. I was bleeding buckets of blood every day. Oh I was uh, super anxious. I was very sick. Uh, I had a stomach. I had a stomach infection, oh my and gosh. Um, so I had a stomach infection. That and I had a back injury. I was in so much pain all the time. And right after we shot, I posted this long thing about like. It was just a picture of like literally 90 medication bottles because to get rid of that stomach infection, I had to take all these like mm-hmm. really intense um, antibiotics. And um, I was like, this is what's going on. And again, that same crazy addiction voice in my brain is just like, you should have been vulnerable about that. Mm-hmm. They probably don't think you're reliable. Yes. But I, I just sort of had to be like, this is what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. I've had people tell me not to share so much. I've had other comics tell me not to share what I do on social media or share what I do in my vlogs on YouTube or share things. And I'm like, or in my writing, but I'm not going to listen. That's not me. That's not my life. And that's them projecting their fear of being vulnerable. Their discomfort. Their discomfort. I realized the other day, because I was like cleaning my room, and I was like, are you going to talk about the anxiety stuff? I don't know. And I was like, just kind of going through it. It was before was before I, it was probably like the same week I picked up the prescription. I was just like, Hmm, are you going to talk about this? And then in my brain, I was going through that like shame spiral. And then my brain just said like clear as day, higher power tapping on the, on the frontal lobe going, Hey dummy, I've got something going on right now. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, no, my authenticity is my strength. Yeah. That's like, what's going to make it happen. That's beautiful. So mm-hmm. I got you. Anytime you're feeling that way, I'll be like, no girl, get it. Yes. <laughs> I got you. Cause it's, it's, it's tough and people need to, you'll need to hear it. Yeah. And why should we hide for other people's comfort? Cause really the more you share, the more, uh, you're going to help people, the people that need it. And I yeah. think we're in a place where, you know, we're speaking into a, a microphone right now we're on stage and I've had many people come up to me after shows, yes. especially when I used to do the bipolar material and they would whisper like, thank you. And I go, you don't have to whisper. I just told a hundred people <laughs> that I have that. And, and so, or, or doing like, I would do, um, yes. like, um, uh, sobriety conferences and stuff like that yeah. and get up in front of like 500 people and just tell my and it's my it was my favorite kind of shows to do in front of like sober crowds because there was nothing that could offend them or shock yeah. them because we've seen it all we've been through it all we're the best goddamn audiences oh my, if, all we want to do uh, is laugh all we want to do is like oh how dark can, can we go you on get? like a sober tour yes. and just find places where yes. we could i mean it was go, amazing. When we go off pot, I actually have a, I know how to do it. Do you have you a do? press kit? 
Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I say I do, but okay. yeah, I'll put, get yeah. one. <laughs> put, to, put together a press kit and then we'll, yes, I, I know a guy who does this for a living. He oh goes from, he goes from convention to convention. The conventions are the best. The first, uh, the first or second world convention I ever went to in my fellowship, George Carlin was the comedian. What? Oh my god! I got to see George Carlin before he died. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, five. That yeah. is a sobriety gift. Right? <laughs> yes. And he really offended. That's talking about a crowd who can't get offended. It was actually in Texas mm-hmm. and in San Antonio. And people got like, he did a joke about incest. And it walked like half the room. Because their expectations of him was to be like, you know, the guy that used to smoke pot and listen to their records. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't get it, what was going on. So all these people like walk. And then I just grab my purse and I go, we're going down front. And I just like oh. start running. I'm just like, <laughs> I did it. And I had no... I had no inclination that I wanted to do comedy at that point. I just knew that I was getting such a gift, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I will, we'll talk about it. Okay. I know how to make that happen. We, cool. can, we can do it. I know this a guy. This is my favorite. It's my favorite Yay. audience ever. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's really, really, we are the most fun. And there's also yeah. a couple of people. I'll hook you up with some people. Okay. Um, but yeah, what is, you know, we just talked so much about fear and anxiety, which is so funny. Uh, the anxiety disorder. I have so much. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> but one of my questions is fear and anxiety. It sounds like you have what's like, it's a, I feel like we've covered it, but it, you know, it's like therapy and, mm-hmm. you know, meds and like exercise and like mantras, different things like that. I mean, I like to tell myself something that my mom always said to me as a kid and I would be like, what is she talking about? But she would say something to me um, when I'd get scared or when I was, I didn't want to do something or feeling like that. She was like, Jolene, what's the worst that can happen? It's not like they can take your birthday away. And I just, for some (gasps) reason, I think about that now granted with murder cast podcast the popularity yes they can they can murder your mom she didn't know about that but this is back in the day like there's a lot of stalkers have you watched you i mean it's on netflix i Check haven't it. i haven't watched it oh, but i i live for a last podcast on the left oh um, yeah and shout out to the lpn network i'm so sorry for your loss mm-hmm. um they just the contributor died um mm. and so uh but yeah it's a fucking it's crazy man yeah like it's yeah anything can happen anything can happen. but I, I like to think of that like yeah they can't like i'm here i'm me like okay so i kind of like to remind i like to talk to myself a lot yeah i think it's good to talk to yourself yeah you know maybe not you know when other people are watching but find a place where no one's around and i don't know i fuck i I talk to myself often yeah often Mm -hmm. i like yelled from the back room the other day because i was doing my little at-home job and i looked at i just was like hey he goes what i go this job is making me fucking talk to myself in a crazy (laughs) way like i am motivated to like fucking make comedy work because holy shit right um that's so fun. I love it. What is your like when you are experiencing fear and anxiety? Like, how do you how do you know? Is it like the constant buzz, or is it the constant buzz and the big crashes? Or um, I think it's it is it is a constant buzz. I just start feeling things. Everything's heavy. Everything's getting um, also very small around me. Like mm. things are moving in on me. I feel like I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like a, almost the first panic attack I ever had, I was in a bathtub and bathtubs are like my favorite. That's my place of Zen. So I'm like, how yeah. could this be happening in my most sacred of places? <gasps> but I was like, I, I couldn't get enough air. I couldn't breathe enough. I couldn't get out mm. and I wanted to run in a field and just like rip everything off like a, like the Hulk, you know? Wow. Um, 
so i'm sorry what was the original question it was just sort just, of like how you know it's coming that that's how i know okay um also if any kind of irrational things keep start spiraling in my mind uh, and i can the shame yes <laughs> then i'm like okay this is coming and what's been really helpful to me is now you know being in my own therapy and being couples therapy and being able to when i'm able if i'm uh starting to feel that way communicate it to my husband and yeah. say you know and he, you know, now knows me well enough. It's like, okay, the rubbing of the back, the kind of calming things, listening, yeah. you know, bring me a tea, yeah, just anything. Or one thing we do when I'm getting really anxious is um, he will, he'll go get in the car. We get in the car and we drive literally to the ocean and we'll do it late at night. And for some reason that is, I think it's for a lot of people, very calming. Yeah. And we'll sit on the one, like we'll park where people park mm-hmm. on the side and I'll just listen to the waves and breathe. Mm. and have the panic attack in the car as I'm getting there and then be like, okay, everything is so big. Like, I am just a speck of dust inside a giant's eye. Like, this is like so, there's so much more. What a sweet, sweet man. Yeah. Oh God, what a good thing. Lots of you. training, girl. Lots of ten, 10 years in Can training. Can I just drop Stuart off and you guys can like. <laughs> sure, we will train him. Cool. I love it. I love it. Um, that's amazing. <laughs> what is uh, one thing about yourself, like thinking of character defects, like what's the one thing you really still struggle with like, jealousy yeah mm-hmm. yeah i think i'm uh, yeah and i want a career jealousy yeah it's career jealousy mm-hmm. and i want to be genuinely happy for people and i don't want to be so judgmental i can be a jealous judge judy really <laughs> really i judge judy i build a case against people mm-hmm. i'm really good at building a case i've been told by many therapists that so i want to do less of that yeah i want to look at i don't want to look right away skeptically which you know the comic in you is kind of like oh the comic and the addict yeah look at things like that so I, I would like to think, yeah, not be as uh, judgmental of people and give people the benefit of the doubt, I think. Yeah, that's that's the good one. I am really thinking a lot about this because I caught, after I got sick, I fell into that like jealousy K-hole really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And what I first noticed is being on social media was aggravating it. Yeah, so oh my all, God. I took the apps off my phone. I still use the browser, which is funny, oh, but yeah, like exactly. I took the apps mm-hmm. off my phone and then I, um, for a while I blocked the browser so I couldn't Whoa. look at it. I was like, I, I can't be trusted. Mm-hmm. Like I put too much negative energy into the world when I see my friend succeed. I yeah. can't do it. And then I started unfollowing people I love. Not because mm-hmm. I don't, I want to, I want to celebrate them and face to face. I can celebrate you. I can do it. Yep. But like online, there's uh, just something about sitting at home in your bed, watching everyone go, I'm rep by blah, blah, blah. And I'm this and that. And I got this. And I'm just sitting there like, well, I have nothing. <laughs> you know? Right, right. And it's because it's we live in a culture of scarcity and mm-hmm. that culture is, you know, designed to make us either consume or want more, or do whatever. And in a creative field where there's literally no meritocracy whatsoever, mm-hmm. it's just sort of yep. like it fucking happens or it doesn't. Yep. You got to really be in love with what you're doing because who knows what, you know, yeah. there's no rhyme or reason to it. And... Uh, yeah, I've been just like cultivating like gratitude and like forgiveness doing those. I have my little mm-hmm. calm app, like my seven days of gratitude or my seven yeah. days of this and like trying to do a lot of loving kindness meditation mm-hmm. has been really helpful, but also just telling have you ever met Natisha Anderson? I bring, I got to bring her on the podcast mm-hmm. cause I've, I don't think so. Talked about this thing that she said to me that like blew my mind. She will ask, how are you doing? And I'll be like, I'll, I'm very, cognizant to just talk about how I am doing and not how my career is doing because a lot of times people are just like 
well, how are you doing? And they'll say, these are all of the things I'm doing in my career. And you're like, okay, well, I didn't sign up for this dick measuring contest. Mm -hmm. I was just asking you how you are. Mm -hmm. Say how you are or just say, I'm fine. We've forgotten to do that here. Yes. Because everyone just talks about what they're doing. And so then you start to go, well, I have this and I'm doing this and I'm trying to do this. And and then she'll, she'll give you the, she'll listen to that. And then she says, and how is your career? She'll say it separately. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I celebrate you. Oh my gosh. She sounds awesome. <laughs> she's a nice lady. She's been in, she was in uh, Marie Bamford show. Um, oh yeah. She's like, she's a super nice lady who just like, when she looks at someone, she's like, I celebrate you. Aww. And like, what a beautiful thing. That like, is beautiful. To, to just be like, no, I think it's, I think it's great that folks are succeeding. Like, mm-hmm. cause I do. Cause it is great. And especially seeing other women succeed. Like that is, in like in our our little LA comedy group, yes. and then being able to see you know groups that we have on social media and seeing yes. people actually thriving and helping each other. That's why how I've combated that is uh, if I feel this way, I'll then shoot a message over to a booker and say, "Here's a bunch of women you should book," <gasps> or "Here's da 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 da." Yes. Because I need to fight that because yes. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. I wasn't that person, you know, when I first came here. I love it. I wanted it for everyone else. And everyone has their own journey. And you're in a marathon. But what do they say? The race is long. In the end, it's only with yourself. So I don't yeah. want to compete with my friends. I want my friends to be my friends. Yes. To have like, even here's the deal. Even if you're placed in a situation creatively where it looks like a competition, it's mm-hmm. really not. And you don't have to like, you don't have to like cut the throats of your friends to no. succeed. No, and I, <laughs> I don't want that kind of success. No. I'd rather just be where I'm at right now then. Because yeah. I can always do, I can move, I can do a lot. There's always a choice. You know, there's a, choice, a choice that I can make. Yeah. So. I love it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what is your experience of forgiveness? Ooh, I, I try. Um, okay. I think I can be very forgiving when I, when I deem the person worthy. And I know that sometimes I have to... I understand that case thing, too. Yeah. Sometimes I have to... Just forgive for both sides mm-hmm. so that healing can begin or, and, and move on. Um, but I, I can hold a grudge. I definitely, mm-hmm. I don't like that about myself either. But um, uh, I find it harder to forgive myself. Yeah. I can forgive people. Like I always uh, will say now having been cheated on and cheated on someone in previous relationships, it's like I would way rather be cheated on oh, yeah. than cheat because the Absolutely. horrible, you feel just, terrible worst terrible i tried Mm -hmm. to explain it to a friend who had an ugly breakup where he cheated Mm -hmm. and he was like you don't understand me and i was like oh i don't understand you you need to sit down i Mm -hmm. understand that you are way crazier than she is right now Mm -hmm. yes that's i totally understand that that's Mm -hmm. it's it's so hard it is it's hard yeah um but yeah i think uh it's a it's not a i don't want to say not a stable relationship I have with forgiveness but it's something as I get older I'm still figuring out yeah you know how because there's there are some times where I just find it almost impossible Mm. to forgive and I yeah I think yeah I guess Mm -hmm. as I'm thinking about I'm like yeah that's shitty it took me twice through the steps to really understand it Mm -hmm. that's why it's a question in the podcast because it's very it's a complicated subject. Yeah, I don't want to be like, oh, give some like flippant answer because I'm really, I guess, struggling with that sometimes. We're not good 
in our culture, Brene Brown in her books yes. talks about this. We're not good in our culture focusing on the steps of forgiveness. And mm-hmm. one of the things she recommends is a book about um, South African apartheid called The Forgiveness Project. Oh. And um, it's really, my experience was it was, I had my sponsor was so funny. She was like, listen, this is some old school shit. And it's like really old and religious. And I understand if it might turn you off. But the um, Emmett Fox's Sermon on the Mount has a really powerful forgiveness prayer. Mm-hmm. And she like edited it to make it like modern and not like super Jesus-y. And it's yeah, really, really good. I like that. <laughs> and she gave me, she just gave that to me. And that was a big game changer for me because I wasn't sort of allowed to go into a ninth step until I really fully understood forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing that the first time around, I couldn't, I couldn't really, exp- the amends process wasn't as rich the second time mm-hmm. because I didn't understand how to forgive others. And consequently I didn't believe that they could forgive me. And what I, I think the key to that was in all the grief situations or in all of the like resentment situations, I also resented myself mm-hmm. and I could forgive intellectually the other person, but I couldn't forgive myself. And then I would get stuck in that and then externalize it to the other person again and just get stuck in this like yeah. feedback loop of not being able to let go. Isn't that so interesting? Cause it, it's true. It's like the people that I, I have the hardest time with forgiveness or have the hardest relationships with are where I see the bad traits in them that I see in myself. Oh, absolutely. And so I'm just like, you know, absolutely. That's what I struggle with. Absolutely. It's Mm -hmm. I'm right there with you. And it's, and it's tough with comedians because there are, there are so many people that will mirror our bad behavior back for us. Mm -hmm. And there are so many people that you get into the, in my case, like addictive type of friendships where they're just like, to breathe each other's air. I just yeah. love that's amazing. That's how <laughs> I long I've been notice. talking. That's that so great. great. <laughs> so gross. Um, oh my God. I do uh, it all the time and I go, and I suck it in. You just gotta. I find myself doing it on podcasts. So I might have done it. Honestly. You know how you know in your 30s you Google things like, why do I drool? Yes. <laughs> That's that's like a real concern. Like, why am I drooling? You never oh. worried about that. So before I wake up, like, why are only my tits sweating? Like, I really, like, like why, why am I? It's just right in the middle. Titty just, sweat is oh. real. But like during sleep, what am I doing that is making my tits sweat? I don't know. I get the same <laughs> thing. But after 35, are you over 35 yet? I'm Anna? 36. Okay, yeah. so you're barely. But after 35, my tits just started sweating just from Titty sleeping. Sweat. Do you ever like powder them? Do you put a little bit of like talcum on there to keep I them? Don't, no. I don't. No. I take like I wear a lot of sports bras. I'll take the sports bra and just like rub it. But I wake up during the night now and I, I don't think I'm in menopause. I'm, you know, only thirty eight. But uh I have to like change there there'll be like weeks where I'll have to like change my shirt because I'll wake up and I'm like, God, my tits are sweating again. <laughs> I'll feel it coming so I'll start to get like hot. Like I'll get hot chest and I'll just tear my shirt off in the middle of the night and I'll just yeah. wake up with no shirt on. Yes. Yeah. I've done that too. That's, and and yeah. I have to remind myself like why? Oh okay, yeah. I took my shirt off and it's on the ground or I have two shirts. I've had two <laughs> situations. I don't know. These tits are hot. <laughs> hot titties. Um, <laughs> what's, what's the weirdest amends you've had to give? Um, Other than to the 800 people whose doors you knocked on when you were busting through windows and stuff. Um, well, I think my friend Nicole's wedding. Um, okay. Because I, uh, I think... Because people don't, when you're a high functioning alcoholic, people I, don't understand, and they don't, and they want to protect you. Yeah, and I found that a lot. 
through my sobriety since I was so high functioning that people were like, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. And it's like, no, I have to tell you that I'm sorry and you deserved better and you deserved more. And you're like such a special person. And I just feel like I shit on it and I didn't respect you. And, uh, and how can I make it right? And yeah, yeah. And, how, and, and it's like, but I love you. And they're like so nice to me. <laughs> like, no, tell me I'm yeah. a piece of shit. Tell me that that did, that did, did affect you. But to this day, um, I think she's just like, you know, she's proud of where I am and stuff. But I don't think, um, I don't think a lot of my friends like that I've had for a long time. Uh, I, yeah, there's quite a few of them that I think don't think I'm an alcoholic and I think that's the problem with how alcoholism is portrayed in society right is that it's like you got to be hitting your kids or like you know just like right. breaking the law right and this high functioning and functioning alcoholism and it's hard you know I came from a family of functioning alcoholics so it was like what are you talking about I'd talk to other friends because all, all of our parents were alcoholics some yeah. form they'd be like at least your dad works and shows up and you know he's whatever and you know or at least your mom does this or that and so they don't yet understand so I think I I want I know they're trying to protect me but I want them to be able to receive that like no I I did fuck up like yeah and I and I want it's okay for you to say you did I wish I would have had a sober friend on that day I needed that you know yeah. I wish you wouldn't have talked during my ceremony or got so black <laughs> I was drunk and I wish you would have showed up to get your hair done like you said you would Because there are things you said you'd do and you didn't, and I didn't do them. Yeah. And she deserved more. So had I like punched someone, then I think she would have been like, yeah, Jolene, you know. Did she say she forgave you? Yes, of course. Of course she did. Can't you let yourself feel that grace? Um, I I just, I I can't. It's just, I I don't know. I just feel like they're just doing it because they love me so much and they're trying to protect me. That's the voice in your head telling mm-hmm. you that there's a conspiracy against you. I know. It's that voice on the treadmill. It's the voice I? on the treadmill. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, you've never been funny. It's like, mm-hmm. where did you come from? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah. And it's like people, yeah, they're just trying to protect me. No. Uh-huh. It sounds like she honestly forgives you. Yeah. She's so great, too. And Aww. I love her. And yeah. But the, I, I I do struggle with the forgiveness of myself for the, in a lot of situations yeah. like that where I'm just still. Uh, well, the hardest one was calling up um, a friend, the friend who I outed her eating disorder and who was someone who told me for years to break up with that um, guy. And he had made her uncomfortable and we lived together. We were roommates and um, he, or uh, uh, she stopped being able to come to her apartment because I let him, we made a, I made a promise to her and I said, I yeah. wouldn't let him in cause it made her uncomfortable. And then I, she would come home and I'd let him have a key and be in there. And I, and I was in denial for years about it. To not, yeah. And it wasn't until last summer I called her. And I just, out of the blue, because there was this weird, we were in a big friend group, and I just, I would always find a way to blame her. You know, it's her yeah. fault. So she just doesn't understand her. She's, she's sensitive. And then the more I realized, like, no, it's you, Jolene. And even my mom was like, the way you told the story made it seem like it was her. And I was like, it was never her. She was nothing but a good friend to me. She wanted the best for me. I broke her trust. I Mm. did these things. It's me. So I called her on the phone and she cried and she was like, I've been waiting for you to say this. Like, I never thought you'd say this to me. And I, you know, we don't talk a bunch, but she's like a wonderful person. I built a case against her and I told other people too. Like I was not a good person in my addiction with that at all. Yeah. 
And so hearing her cry, that was hard. And it was hard because it took so long for me. And I'm like, why? You know, I've been sober all these years. And why does it take that long for me to reach out to her? Because that boundary violation is, no, I've been there. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've been there. I've been there recently. I've been there with comedy. I had to make amends recently about that kind of boundary violation. And it's because it's so hard to face yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is so fucking hard to face yourself. Yeah. Then I had to realize that like, no, I was completely 100% wrong. Everything I convinced myself of all yeah. the stories I told other people were all lies. I fabricated to protect my fragile ego. Yeah. I love that in Spanish, there's a word for it. Mm-hmm. Chisme. Chisme. Yeah. Oh, there's like, like, it's like gossiping. It's, it's mm-hmm. talking shit. It's yep. telling other people's story. It's building the case against people. Mm-hmm. I love that there's a concept around that. Yeah. You know, like, and in the English language doesn't quite have a word to describe something that's beyond gossip, that mm-hmm. like boundary violation. And gossip seems so like fun. It's gossip. It's a gossip thing. Yeah. And it's not. There's it's, nothing fun about it. No, there's really nothing <laughs> it's very fun hurtful. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hurtful. And it's, again, it's just, it's just about a boundary violation. Mm-hmm. And it's in, and, and I've been in that trap where, you have to then make more character defects. You have to activate more character defects to hide from the fact that you really owe that person an amends. Yeah. And that's... I remember sitting in my parents... I was back at home in my parents' bathroom, sitting on the toilet, not going to the bathroom, but literally like, yeah. put the toilet, sit down, sat down and breathe. And I remember telling my mom, I go, I have to call her and I have to... And she's like, okay. And just like, hey... And then we had the song conversation and it was wonderful, wow. but it was just so like, oh, I, I was mad at myself. It took so long. It's a real key, kick in the teeth. Oh yeah. That was one where I was like, I think that was the one, you know, people talk about the one they don't want to do. They don't want to do. I'm not doing, I'm yeah. not going to do it. I'm never going to do it. I'm never yeah. going to do it. That was the one I didn't want to do ever, 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 ever. But you did it. And I'm really proud of you. Thanks. That's huge. That's huge. And I'm sure now when faced with situations, especially it's very easy to do in our little careers, Mm -hmm. like with the people, everybody's running their mouth, Mm -hmm. talking out the side of their neck. I'm sure that now you have this sort of sense of like what the weight of that behavior is. Mm -hmm. And how much it can affect someone and how someone can hold it. I mean, now she's a wife, she's a mother, she has a great career, she has a master's degree. And still that broke her down because she had been, she trusted me so much. Wow. And I betrayed her. Yeah. And I then not only then I betrayed her more by hiding it to protect myself. Yeah. And she and it, she tried to protect me a little bit in the beginning when we first started. She's like, it's, it's okay. And I go, it's not. It is so not okay. Yeah. Like it, you told me exactly what you needed from me, and I just set fire to the whole place. You know. Yeah. So, that one still gets to me. Like I think I push it back. I'm glad I did it, but my first reaction was to talk about my friend Nicole because that was an easier one. Uh-huh. And then my second one was like, oh, no, no. Oh, no, girl. There was one that you... You know what, though? Thank so. you so much for sharing that. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's mm-hmm. so powerful because somebody is going to listen to that and be like, oh, fuck. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think it's okay to forgive yourself, too. Yeah. You did the work. I think you, I'll get there. You live differently now. I do. I do live differently. Yeah. And I was able to talk to her about that too. And it was another instance where I'd recognize my jealousy. 
you know, yeah. too. And a lot of that was based on jealousy of being jealous of her, you know? And it's like, but that was your best friend, girl. Come on. It's just, it's Shakespearean. Mm-hmm. You know? Like when you, when you read like classic literature, this is a thing that's persisted in humanity for ever greek mm-hmm. myths like yeah like people have been you know um like latin american myths like every like this particular set of emotions and character defects has existed since the beginning of time and the fact that you're aware of it and that you make amends for it like you're a rock star you're well, thanks it. make me feel nice <laughs> <laughs> what is your day-to-day to keep your brain together like what's your day-to-day routine like um ooh, that's good i wish it was like i get lots of sleep and i exercise i get eight to ten hours of sweet <laughs> sleep i wake up and i meditate for an hour i go to the gym for an hour and a half i work a 17 hour day um I, I wish that was the case you know i have a loving relationship we mm-hmm. have tantric sex like yeah like nobody oh. has nobody has fucking time to do everything no. which is why i'm curious like what's your what's your day-to-day uh my day-to-day is i wake up which okay. is always i'm always happy about that yeah I'm that's a, a big deal yep i'm happy about so waking up i woke up yeah i've discovered the joy of coffee most recently i was never a coffee person Ooh. until this past year and then i um i like just the process of it now that i have like this yeah. ninja machine i like the smell i like the sound love it um i like to give myself a little bit of time in the morning just to I tr- I'm really trying not to check my phone first thing, but it's hard because I'm like checking my YouTube numbers and my <laughs> subscription, and that can't be the first thing that I do. It comes up all the time mm-hmm. time on this podcast. Yeah. Randy Posey actually uh, charges her phone in a separate room for where she wakes up. That's really smart. That's super so smart, smart because it's right on my little mm-hmm. nightstand thing. Um, but yeah, I'm tr- I try, but I'm definitely not um successful most of the time with not checking my phone right away but coffee's been a nice thing for me to be able to uh you know make it and then sit there with a cup like I never understood how people really were like oh I need my my coffee it's just this time for me I was like it is I have a favorite chair now by the window where I can drink my coffee oh I love it you know where before I never even sat in that chair you know, I was like, that chair is just for people come on over. You know? Why do we even have this chair? Yeah. No one uses it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it looks cute, but I coats mean, land it, perts, yes, it. My cat it. scratches it. I mean, that's what the chair was, and now it's 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 different. Um, but then I have to I start my day job, which okay. I work all day, uh, but from home, so I can't really complain. I always yeah. have. I do still struggle from that anxiety thing where I have something on in the background. A lot of time, because, okay. you know, being alone with your own thoughts is the scariest thing to a lot of people. Yeah. Which is why so many people sleep with the TV on. And I didn't realize until I was with my husband now that, oh, that's not like normal or healthy oh, yeah. to do. Because my whole life, all the TVs were on in the house. And Me too. you still go back to my parents' house and it's really loud. I'm like, I can't hear. All the TVs are on mm-hmm. and all the doors are open. So nobody yeah. has boundaries and nobody's paying attention. Yeah. It's exactly. like, what in the fuck? Yeah. And my dad keeps, oh my gosh, when he's scrolling on his phone, because now he's like super into, into Facebook and trolling Trumpers on the regular. So he's doing the Lord's work. Your father though. Yes. Oh my God. But in a really loud way. So as he's scrolling, you know, he doesn't turn the volume down. So all the videos play. <gasps> as you're talking to him, I was like, yeah, he's like, I can't help it. It just starts. I'm like, no, Paul, come on, get it together. Is your dad also named Paul? Yes. Oh my God. Is your dad named Paul? Yes. Oh my God. Ah, that's so crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. So much in common. <laughs> so two much dads, common. two Pauls in therapy. Two Pauls two in therapy. Pauls. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. But he, he is, uh, he's a very progressive Midwestern man, <gasps> union guy, teamster, yes. troll and Trumpers, 
fighting for universal health care. Like he's out there. He was like, I don't want, <laughs> he's so funny about it though. Cause it's like your parents are, you know, like my dad's almost 65. And so it's, he's new to the Facebook game. So it's like teaching oh. him how it works, but he will go to these pages on Facebook where there's like these Christian sites that hate gays and they post stuff and my dad will troll them. And so I'll look and I'm like, dad, it's so weird to see people say all these horrible things about your own father, but you're like, but you're doing good, dad. <laughs> god. Like, Rotten hell. Paul and Paul's like, God bless, you know? Yes. <laughs> so funny, but he, he, uh, he's found it as in his retirement as a way that he feels he can combat Trump. He was growing out a beard, but I was like, mm, you might want to keep it trimmed up. You're looking a little you're looking crazy a little, pants. Yeah, but um, You don't want to go full Letterman. You, no, you don't want to yeah. go. He did look Letterman. Oh, <laughs> he was looking. But he is doing the Lord's work, and he is uh, wow. trying. He's like, I want, you know, I have a niece that's four and a nephew that's uh, almost two. And he's like, I want Frankie and Lucy to know I at least tried. And I'm like, that's so cute, Dad. Does he do, like, community activism? Or is he just, he goes, like, really active with the union? He's very active with the union. So important. And he's very active in their own community. Like, um, they had... They They've had uh, a lot of um, native lands. So they have Native Americans that are coming in um, with lands. And a lot of the white people up in arms still saying, the Indians are coming. They're going to build a casino. And they'll go and my parents will like listen and try to understand rather than be like the hateful white people that are just thinking, oh, these, you know, it's like you go back in time to remind people like that's no, um, these people are not Indians. Like, not everything is a casino. And technically, this is their land. <laughs> yeah. So it's... Take um, them to, like, shoot some videos of Morongo and be like, look, yes. Linda, you can get a massage. Mm-hmm. You can get, like, a full steak dinner. Mm-hmm. Calm down. You can play penny slots. Have yeah. a time. Mm-hmm. Like, relax. Calm down. Mm-hmm. That's so great. I so, love yeah. it. They so, stay involved in their little community. Um, but, yeah, he's not out, like, at the Women's March yet. But I, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past my dad to do that kind of stuff. He if would it any, be weird if I found your dad on Facebook and like friended him? No, would oh not be God. weird. <laughs> I just wanted. I just want to see him trolling. He's constantly posting. Well, he does one thing. He does is he thinks um, like a lot of our parents do. They think memes are facts, and he's like, "But I found it on this meme," and I go, "Well." I believe all those things, you know, because um, it's, you know, anti-Trump stuff. I'm like, but we need, you know, uh, attribution. We need to know where this came from <laughs> because oh I had to explain to him, like, I can make a meme right now that says blank, blank, and blank. And that's the reason Trump's in office right now is that's what we're believing as facts. <gasps> and so. Oh, my God. You have a woke dad. It's, I do. I have a woke dad. Oh, my God. We went to the state fair. Woke white dad. Yes. We went to <laughs> woke white dad. Seriously. Yes. We went to the Minnesota State Fair, which is like a big deal. Oh, and we, yeah. we got, we went to, um the democratic booth or whatever and we got pins he was like pick out a pin i'll buy it for you and his was about unions and mine was um uh, no human is illegal <gasps> and so and my oh my god my dad he freaks out over my husband so he's progressive but i always say in the midwestern way so he's very braggy about you, the fact that chell's mexican and the fact that now he's you know met chell's dad they're real good friends because <gasps> they both chell's dad has a whole twitter set up to fight trumpers <gasps> and they both love bob dylan so now they're besties <gasps> And so, um, my dad, I forgot what I was even talking about. We were talking me. about your day to day and we will get back to it. Oh, I'm but so I'm sorry. I'm obsessed yeah. about this. Oh, so he's, oh, so he used to work at the Mall of America and he worked for Pepsi and he 
he delivered pop, we call it, but yeah, soda or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would always, uh, you know, he's like, here's one thing about Minnesota. When I grew up in the area, I grew up in St. Paul, we had yes. a huge Hmong population and Hmong population yes. came from Laos. I was, a, after, I was an anthropology major. Okay, I, awesome. I know all about the Hmong. So, okay, <laughs> most people don't. Most people yeah. don't. So my school was like 50% Hmong growing up. Yes. And um, a lot of the white people would be like, what are they doing here? And it's like, if you actually did your history, they're here because they helped us during the Vietnam War where we shouldn't have been in the first place. Yeah. And they were promised to be able to come here yes and so my dad was very vocal when a lot of people in that community weren't where he would say don't listen to them Jolene he's like the Hmong population in the community they have brought family values they yes. brought business they're wonderful and I remember I had a friend uh, Becky Yang because they were um, a lot of the Hmong friends I had they were able to change their first name to like more Americanized name Cute. so I was like Becky you want to come to my sleepover and we were like in third grade and she was like I can't because my dad thinks your dad will murder me like it was so sad <laughs> But he says evil white dad. I was like, no, my dad's my dad's a good white. And so, <laughs> so he'd work at the mall, and he had all kinds of different um, cultures and people and yes. stuff. And he started telling people, oh, my son's Mex or my son-in-law's Mexican. Oh yeah. Oh, you know, he would, would like brag about oh, uh, that God. sort of thing. But then he also, when I first brought Chell home, I found out later that he told my mom that he didn't want to be too showy because maybe Chell hasn't seen all the stuff they have. And I'm like, mm, Dad, Chell's parents have PhDs from Stanford. His mom's a superintendent <laughs> of schools. His dad's a professor. Professor, you're a teamster, which is awesome, and a truck driver, but they got a lot. Like, they got a lot. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there's still those mis like little misconceptions, yes. but he's willing to Are learn. you and Chell going to write a buddy cop movie where your dads go across America oh fighting my. Trump? Like, if you're <gasps> not, please. That would be hilarious. It's, I mean, oh. it's, it's writing itself. Oh. Like, this is very because because like the the character quirks of your dad is mm -hmm. he means really well but he's just like an old white guy with like old yeah. white guy stuff still like mm -hmm. imprinted in there yep oh my god I yeah because he, he still will say like things that you're like oh dad like he i remember when i was younger he would tell me that he understood oppression like i was learning about the um what was i i was learning about like the civil rights movement and stuff in school and my dad's like yeah you know you know tell me uh, things and you know where they were when they found out martin luther king was assassinated yeah. and stuff and then my dad's like you know well i did feel oppression in my time I had long hair in the 70s and I was like mm, that's not the same as the civil rights movement <laughs> Like I was judged. I'm like, mm, all right, Paul. Just because you want to do peyote and grow your hair out, but didn't isn't the same as people not being able to use uh, the same restroom. Like, oh, all right. I love your dad. <laughs> yeah, he's he's so funny and amazing and willing to still keep learning. And I say still, uh, and he's only 65. It's not like he's 100, no. you know. But, but there are some people that are like, I know what I want to know, and yeah. I'm done. People assume I came from a very like conservative. Like my mom worked for the Minnesota State Senate. Like oh. we campaigned for people we walked with I don't know if you've ever heard of Paul Wellstone but yeah. he was like the Bernie Sanders of the Midwest yeah. I mean he him and Bernie were great friends um and we were, we had his signs we walked picket lines when my dad was he would bring us kids there when they would picket so we would remember like th this is important workers rights are important Whoa. and also don't give too much to any company because in the end they don't give two shits about you true so definitely raised more of like that teamster daughter mentality and was you know, raised by a guy that for his version of feminism was really teaching me that I was better than the boys and that I could do it. My family too. That's awesome. But they were just like, no, they were just like, you know, and it, they were not perfect and obviously yes. like there was a lot that mm -hmm. happened, but sort of our expression of feminism, I think it's that late seventies, early eighties babies, mm -hmm. like 
expression of feminism isn't w- sort of what you see now where it's like no slut shaming no this no that yeah. and like stem stuff the early days of that were like not only um are you great but you have to be better than the boys yep so it doesn't matter mm-hmm. like just be better than the boys and a lot of that was like you know well, I got in a fight with the kid in the neighborhood and he called me a beaner. So I threw a pine cone at him and my dad said, and then he sucker punched me. And my dad was just like, did you hit him back? And I was like, no. And he goes, well, it sounds like you shouldn't have thrown a pine cone at the guy. <laughs> so like figure it out. Yeah. Like, be stronger, faster, better, mm-hmm. or don't do the thing, but be stronger, faster, better. Yeah. That's how my mom, it was just like, that's, I love that. Yeah. Oh, we have so much in common. We do. Your day to day. So you have your okay, coffee. Sorry. You try Tangents. not to get sucked up in the yep. super addictive world of your dad mm-hmm. on Facebook. Yep. Because it's adorbs. It is adorbs. Trying to get him to authenticate adorable. Yep. Um, and, you know, I do my job. I, st- I try to do creative things every day. I'm very okay. active on, like, YouTube. I do... What's these. your YouTube channel? Well, it's Jolene Lunzer. You can just put that in. It's yes. uh, YouTube.com slash Jolene Lunzer. And I do a lot of uh, TV recap stuff, but in a humorous way. Yeah, I do shows like that where there's a lot of uh, Trump fans and I get trolled a lot and I have to do a lot of blocking. But I have a lot of great people that subscribe to me and I'm able to do like vlogs and travel vlogs in addition to doing these TV recaps of shows like Big Brother and Survivor. So like CBS shows. So it's like I'm a grandparent. But um, shows I've been watching for a long time and I'm really into recapping stuff. It was something I didn't realize I would like. Until I, I started listening to people do it. I totally get it because I started listening to people recap stuff. Mm-hmm. And then on Brouhaha, we're just going to start like re- recapping like Latina I like television. That. And we started doing, because it's Brew Jaja with the J's. Yep. Um, not Brouhaha with the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it's a, uh, we started recapping the new Charmed because it's all Latina characters. Yes, I'm going to watch that. It's actually, it's pretty, you could just, if you want it not to like, pressure you to listen but if you just want to like speed through and like mm-hmm. listen to the podcast because yeah. the shows it, it's good and then mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's a very cw show okay yeah and so some one of us is like really into cw and like i'm just a dork and then somebody else super is the chow and like mm-hmm. fucking hates it which and one so, is the chow is it cindy or okay but like i totally understand the like I we, we were talking about it because it can be kind of exhausting because you're committing yourself to watching the television show, writing some notes. Yes. And then, but I said, but we're getting so good at it. And mm-hmm. it is such a riff factory. Yes. Like you, you can, can riff, riff. And people riff, are riff. so shocked that um, like, what's, they're like, this is funny. Like I watch other, because when I was watching people's recaps, I'm like, oh, these people like to recap. Cool. But I don't see a humor element going on. Right. So you add that and people, people are, it's refreshing and it's feeding us yes. as comedians. And it's also, I've gotten material out of it it's it's really fun people are like what do you some people are like what do you do and i'm like well i watch tv shows and i recap them and right now i'm watching celebrity big brother which is a huge task because they have like three to four episodes a day plus live feeds where you can watch the celebrities in a house 24 7 so i'm also reporting on the live feed so i'm literally doing sometimes two to three videos a day girl Mm -hmm. that's like but i have a goal of getting to 10,000 subscribers in 2019 i keep putting it in the universe and I want it to happen. Yeah. So I think I have like 2,800 right now or That's something. 
which oh, I is have like 14 subscribers. Well, then I started this like a, I know I had for years. I started my YouTube in like 2011 yeah. and I had nothing. And then finally this past year, I, I went up from 400 to now this. Oh, congrats. So Subscribe to her YouTube. Fun. She's popping. Yeah, that's my favorite thing to do right now is YouTube and then Instagram, like random shit. But. And on top of that, listen, if you're listening to this and you're a comic and you're like, YouTube celebrity, you're also a super funny comic. Oh, thanks. Like, you are fucking good. Oh, my gosh. That's so nice of you. I mean it. Thank like, you. you're really good. You're very polished. Like, you're very... But also, like, your jokes are fucking really sound. So, it's not like... It's not like when you see people build their big YouTube career and then they go on stage and they're like, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do stand-up. Oh, no. It'll be you, 10 you years this now. June I've been doing stand-up. I can't believe it. Girl. Congratulations. I know. I'm like, I, I need some rep this year. I'm putting that out into the world. I'm like, I need some stuff it would be helpful it would be helpful it would be helpful but We're- i i just keep creating content because that is like really being a content creator i remember the josh funk who runs second city hollywood he was like there's actors there's improvisers there's stand-up comedians but really the content creators are king and queen yeah and it's true because you true. know there's going to be a million actors out there but if you write the show you make the stuff you true. make the product that is true what it's all about so that's why that's just what I'm trying to do. So Get it. we'll see. I love it. <laughs> okay. What's your relationship with your higher power? Um, I am not, I feel we, we've talked about this previously. Mm-hmm. Like I, I struggle with this mm-hmm. because I definitely am not an organized religion person, but then yeah. I also know there's a difference between religion and faith. Yeah. And I love the idea of believing in like the universe and the trees and the sky and the mm-hmm. ocean and breathing and things like that. Um, so I think that's something that's a work in progress for me. Good. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at too. Yeah. I've never figured it out. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's fun. Yeah. A lot of people have the answers, but I don't. I super mm-hmm. don't. I just try to be present to like when my higher power is just like, yep. hey, dum dum, be authentic. I'm yes. like, oh, okay. I like, definitely believe in like the universal stuff. I used to think, whatever. The comic brain was like, okay, uh, the universal make heaven. But really the more I've put stuff out and the more positive I've put yes. out into the world, the more positive I've gotten back. Exactly. So whatever that is, I believe in that. (laughs) Yes. I love it. All right. Well, this has been fantastic. I had so much fun. You're like the best podcaster and you have great questions. And this is such a fun concept. Thank you. And I love your other podcast too. Um, But this is nice. Thank you. I appreciate you. This is my baby. She's, this podcast has been around for a hot minute and I stopped it because I got too into doing roast battle stuff. And Mm -hmm. I was like, there's a certain karma level that so good at roasting. Oh, thank you. So good. I haven't, I've been writing roast jokes for drag queens Mm -hmm. and I've been doing other kinds of roast shows. That sounds fun. It's really fun. It's really fun to break down the dirt. And speaking of like recaps, I have to like take in all of the like, Mm. drag queen recaps and the like and the whole thing so i totally like when you were i was like no that's very valuable to yeah. me like i i love that mm-hmm. i love that what is one thing that you would like to share with somebody just like you in the world oh gosh these are so good and they're thinkers and i love thinkers because i'm someone who's like all right i can answer it okay one thing that i would like to share the someone who's just like me in the world um I guess I would share with them that believe, okay, so believe in yourself as early as you can, ah, as soon as you can, as soon as you can, yes. and then go forward with that. And all those things that are telling you not to and that you can't do this because I 
fought against doing stand-up for so long because I, I was so scared. Me I was too. terrified of public speaking. And now that's the one place I feel truly comfortable is on stage. Yay. And so as soon as you can believe in yourself and throw it out there and do it. And I know that, you know, that might sound a little cliche, but really they can't, they can't take your birthday away. The last thing you want to do is be looking back and thinking, I wish I would have. Oh. You know, just believe you can and move forward because there's no one stopping you but yourself. And I know that there are life situations and everyone's got to make money and we have things to overcome, you yeah. know, but, um, but yeah, but don't tell yourself you can't just take it out because you can. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I love this. <laughs> oh my gosh. Where can people find you? Okay. Um, well, you can find me on Instagram, Jolene Lunzer, Twitter, Jolene Lunzer, YouTube, Jolene Lunzer. So just Jolene Lunzer, any social media. And okay. I'm like the only one that exists. Yeah. I wanted to change it to Jolene Hernandez, which is my married name. Cause I was like, oh, that's so, I, Lunzer was always like, oh, and I used to have a stuttering problem with L's, B's and D's. So, uh, I thought, oh, finally Hernandez, you know, I can say that yeah. nicely. It sounds nice, but there's like a lot of other Jolene Hernandez out there. Yeah. I had no idea. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it happens. Even that spell it in, weirdly like I do the E-E-N cause technically it's supposed to be E-N-E for Jolene, but yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I went off on that tangent. Well, I like your Facebook cause it's Jolene Lunzer Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, I, I want to take that part, you know, of like, that's my family. Like me and Chell, we share a name, you know, it's, I always tell him, I'm like, Chell, I freak him out. I'm like, everyone around us is going to die and it will just be us. <laughs> He's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I'm sorry. These are just thoughts. So we have to make this work. <laughs> this is by the way, what happens if you watch too much big brother? Yes. It's so true. I'm paranoid. Cause there are always alliances and talking behind people's back and everything. And I'm just like, everything will burn except for me and to you. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so funny. Okay. So Jolene, if nobody's told you this as that we on the podcast, if nobody's told you this today. Love you. Oh, I love you too. Thank you. That's so nice. You're listening to this and nobody's told you this today. We love you. We do love you. Yay, you're the best. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for giving it. Yes. Bye. Bye. Thank you.